We here at Duckfeed TV uh, rely on you guys to help us make this not cost us uh, money and to pay for games and uh, Bloodborne and also just to, to show your support, which we really appreciate. Um, if you would like to show your appreciation to us, um, you can head on over to patreon.com forward slash duckfeedtv or go to duckfeed.tv forward slash chipjar. Um, any amount helps and we really appreciate it and we love you. Turn to page 67 if you want to hear Cole Ross. Or turn back to page one to hear me say, my name is Gary Butterfield. <laughs> and my name is Cole Ross. And you're listening to, I was hoping we just loop it there for a little bit. <laughs> the, uh, oh, um, well. This is a very special episode of Watch Out Fireballs, where we are talking about game books. Yes, game books. Uh, we've been looking forward to this, and uh, we know that you've been looking forward to it, too. This is one of our special episodes, like we did for uh, you know video game hardware, video game audio. Um, you know, mm-hmm. music and sound and stuff, and uh, like our D and D. This is the uh, this is the Lonely Kid version of our D and D episode. Yes, and and there are more special episodes in the pipeline uh, for these kind of topics that don't that resist our usual structure. Mm-hmm. Um, so, game books. Um, what are game books? Cool. Game books are any kind of book that allows the reader to change the story by making some kind of choice at different junctions throughout the book. Yes, and uh, most commonly, I think the most popular ones are Two Journey Adventure. Uh, books, but there are different kinds of types. Um, and what the the real variance is how many mechanics and how much mechanical depth is layered on top. Mm-hmm. Um, so you can you can go really far in this direction and kind of make it like a one on one D and D campaign or, uh, or or session. And and there actually are mm-hmm. such things. But most of the time, it's just choose your own adventures. So um, I'm going to operate under the assumption that everyone listening to this is familiar with those. Yes, like that is such a a thing of our generation and generations adjacent. Mm-hmm. I think that like, it just, people know, choose your own adventure. Yeah. Uh, so. I, I think, I think that is a safe assumption. And if you don't know about these, when you're listening to this, uh, hopefully you'll use it as kind of an entry into it because they're delightful. Yeah. You will know about them afterwards. And we're, we're going to try to articulate why they're, why they're cool. Mm-hmm. Um, so you can essentially break uh, game books down into three types. Mm-hmm. Um, the first type are choose your own adventure, as we mentioned. Mm-hmm. And what the reader does, the only thing they do is make choices at certain junction points to direct the plot. Yeah. So it is literally like if you decide to uh, uh, go west, turn to this page. If you decide to go east, go to this page. And that's all there is to it. Right. And uh, usually the, the, the way that that breaks down, there are multiple endings. A lot of these books will advertise the number of endings on a given page. Um, and you are trying to get the good endings and avoid the bad endings, although the bad endings are fun. A lot like uh, Mac Ventures. Yeah. 
like the all the gruesome deaths that you can have in these <laughs> kind of remind me of uh, of Mac Venture yeah. games. And sometimes there's a little bit of wiggle room and jazz in, in this kind of thing too, where like there'll be little puzzles or little games in between, mm-hmm. and that's kind of in between uh, this type and the third type yeah. that we're going to talk about. But every once in a while we get that, and we'll cover some of those uh, outliers. Yep. Uh, second type here is kind of these literal solo pen and paper RPGs that kind of come from established systems. Uh, your trolls, uh, tunnels and trolls, um, and a few that are kind of like D and D guided tabletop modules. Yes, yeah, and there there are you know a, a goodly number of those, and they kind of work and kind of don't. I haven't played any of the tunnels and trolls ones, um, but I played the first D and D. One that came out, uh, the very first one is is in a dungeon magazine, but the first one that was published on itself or by itself, uh, Ghost of Lion Castle, I, I played uh, or, you know, kind of played. It's in basic, so I didn't I didn't <laughs> I don't just sit around with a bunch of characters in basic D&D rolled up just in case. Uh, but these are essentially just the book serving as the dungeon master and you doing both sides of fights mm-hmm. and such. And and these, I think, are a little less successful. And we'll talk about why right. um, in a little bit. Um, what I think are more successful are books that have their own kind of rule sets. So they are solo uh, role-playing books that have mechanics specifically tailored to the format. Yeah. Um, these are going to be uh, Sorcery, um, which is an offshoot of the Fighting Fantasy series, which is probably the most famous. Right. Um, and then the Lone Wolf books, which are a huge part of my childhood yeah. and, uh, and a, a big name in this. And they, they have their own kind of proprietary systems for conflict resolution. Right. For the purposes of the show, we have covered all three of these, at least uh, uh, in some form or fashion. And so uh, we're going to give kind of a broad but uh, um, admittedly kind of shallow um, representation um, of of how these work. There are there are hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of these. um, And time is finite. Um, (laughs) I, I wasn't even able to, you know, to make a run through every one of them that I have. You know, and like I have a, a minor collection of them and they don't take long to go through. It just my minor collection is still a lot and, you know, time is finite, as we said. So don't you know, if we miss something, please don't be mad. We're just trying to do an intro level course mm-hmm. like we like we do. That said, if there's something that's really, really cool that you want us to know about, let us know. Oh, um, absolutely. Yeah, because uh, yeah. we like checking out things that are worthwhile. Yeah. And I and I this is a, this is a weird minor. Like, I think it is very fun to have a like a quest object for thrift stores, <laughs> like just have a thing that you just you pick up if it's there. Um, and this has been mine for a long time. So I've got like a bookshelf that's that's full of uh, choose your own adventures and then weirdo non choose your own adventure, choose your own adventures. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's just fun to be able to like whenever I'm in a thrift store, or a bookstore, I can always just kind of take a look and see if there's anything weird that I haven't seen. That's that's this uh, this genre. And I pick it up if I can. Mm-hmm. Um, so. I like uh, if you if there's something specifically very neat um, that you've heard about, do tell us because I want to try to grab it. Yeah. yeah. So, Gary, I have a question. We are a video games podcast. What the hell is this doing on the show? Well, first, that's really uppity <laughs> of you to make assumptions about this thing that we created together. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the, uh, but uh, the, it, it makes sense, right? Because so the, the definition of game um, is changing and kind of evolving or Maybe a better way to put it is like people are coming to terms with how broad that definition can be <laughs> right. and should be. Um, and this is, you know, this is the right side of history. Mm-hmm. So if you're out there yelling about how Gone Home is in a game, you're going to look real stupid and, you know, right now <laughs> and then also years in the future. Yeah. And so, you know, kind of these branching narrative you know, kind of experiments in written literature can be considered to be the basis for these narrative heavy games that, you know, we like to play and talk about, you know, your right. God's home and your dear Esther. 
Right. You know, essentially the choices, the only choices you're making are where to go to explore the story. They may not have all the multiple endings, but it is, uh, it is kind of similar. Um, so the, those are games where your agency is how much of the story you see and in what order, which is right in this wheelhouse. And, uh, and that's not a, a value judgment. Um, you know, like a video game is a different thing by adding these kind of mechanics and, and player agency that does add to to this you know the feeling of identification like they are different beasts but they're related enough to cover mm-hmm. i think yeah and you know just coming to terms with how nuanced this 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 can kind of be an understanding you know where taking away or adding uh, you know a small or large amounts uh, you know can can have an impact on the way this story or this experience sinks in i think is you know just something that is a requisite for basic game literacy now yeah yeah yep yep and uh, and and also you know like Twine is is getting is kind of coming into its own like there are a lot of really cool Twine games. Um, Tom McHenry, the guy who did Horse Master, just put out his new <laughs> game, um, and Horse Master is delightful. Yeah. And I'm really looking forward to playing Tonight Dies the Moon, yeah. which is his new game. And he does really awesome things with that system. And yeah. there's tons of DNA here. I've been slowly playing through like uh, Terror Board the Speedwell, which is really mm. good. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah, uh, this shit's great. Mm-hmm, a bunch of those, but even like mainstream games, you know, not not just kind of like weird indie uh, twine stuff. Uh, uh, anything by Bioware um, has uh, has been a huge deal. Like uh, anytime it is is kind of bandied about that, oh, your choices have consequences. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there, there there's a little bit of DNA that kind of comes from this tradition. Yep, and uh, and as we mentioned a little bit earlier, like failing in these games is pretty fun. Um, you're not really losing anything because you have your finger bookmarking the thing right before you left or you can find it easily enough yeah or, or if you're me you have just a bunch of post-it notes yeah yeah or you dog ear the pages or however you want to do it yeah. um so it's a little bit like uh sierra games or MacVenture games where like it is really really fun to know how you goofed and read these loving descriptions of your avatar <laughs> not so often dying because these are children's books yeah but a lot of times having their life ruined in really, really dark ways yeah um, I'm just fascinated by that, like just these weird transformations or, you know, losing somebody close to them. Like it's very, it's, I don't know, like that, I, I can't help but think that that was some kind of formative experience for me. Yeah, just being just, just fascinated with the possible, possible ways that everything could derail. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, there's a, there's a fantastic Tumblr that I stumbled across last night called uh, You Chose Wrong. Mm-hmm. Which is nothing but just a collection of these of these bad endings from CYOAs, and some of them are just bonkers off the wall. They're so that that blog is really fun, and the reason why is because you have no context, right? So like you are forced to kind of work backwards and realize why your character is drowning in spiders. Yeah. You know why Boy Adventure has got a bad case of web lung. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. Oh man, yeah, that, that, I, I'm not afraid of spiders. I'm afraid of a nest of spiders being inside a person. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I don't want web lung. Nope, by no means. Yeah. Um. So, so when Cole, when did you figure out that these are games? Uh, pretty much right away. Like, uh, so we're going to talk a lot about the Goosebumps ones later, but uh, I was of the age, uh, you know, for those to hit, and uh, you know. Every week or so, or every you know, every every time we went to the grocery store, uh, we would you know I would get one, uh, get a Goosebumps mm-hmm. book, and then just some of these shiny foil covered Goosebumps books came out, and I was like, oh, this is this is different, and you know, dipping back and forth, like I realized that it just kind of felt the same as playing these narrative driven adventure games. Like uh, I kind of came across that in Maniac Mansion at the same time, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, and yeah, I, I think that it just felt the same. 
I, th- I think that's a big reason why these were so huge at the time they were huge. Mm-hmm. I think that like the the rise of these or the popularity, the, the boom, um, probably has a lot to do with the popularity of gaming. Mm-hmm. You know, so like when the bookmobile would roll around and everyone would go kind of flock to the choose your own adventure books, like I think on some level these kids like I knew and kids knew that they were playing a game. Mm-hmm. You know, like this was the closest thing to playing a game you could do while also reading. And the teachers knew that, too. Like, I remember going to the going to the library when I was like in elementary school. And it was like if we had to, you know, have a book checked out in order to read it, like those didn't count. Those were on their own special shelf that was still there. And like Mm -hmm. I was exposed to like the Bantam ones uh, that way. I didn't like them as much as the the Goosebumps, but, uh, you know, ones when I was a little kid, I recognize how they're good now. Um, But they were still there. And that kind of like got me used to like, oh, I'm just always going to have two books with me. I'm going to have the book that I'm reading for fun. And I'm going to have the book that I'm reading for school. And that led to me not being popular at school. (laughs) (laughs) Well, also like, and that's a, that's a way that, uh, I mean, that's, I I have a game I'm playing for fun and a game I'm playing for homework. Yep. I have a textbook with me and a novel. Uh Usually when I'm out of the max, like that is kind of a, 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 you know, it's, it's like the samurai with their little, with their big sword. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Um, but yeah, like these are these are games, and I kind of knew it. Um, I took that. Uh, I've talked about it a long time ago. People were listening to the shows um, when I was taking this role playing games as literature class, which was a nightmare. Like the the <laughs> people in that class were awful, but the teacher was really good, and he would talked about um, like he talked to me, and we he and I talked about that kind of spectrum, and I talked about it a lot on the show that like narrative game spectrum, mm-hmm. and that's something we laud all the time on the show about how that is that is very much a matter of degrees. Mm-hmm. It is not a binary. Um, so if, if this, this, I mean, I don't know, it just seems evident to me, and then people will get mad and th- <laughs> say things are glorified choose-your-own-adventures, but like it's a yeah. bad thing. But I mean, sure. like, they have a save system. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like... I don't know. Like I just uh, somehow that that evolution was just so concurrent with me. Uh, Yeah. Just the fact Mm -hmm. that you can save your progress, go back, optimize, learn from your mistakes. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, just kind of like, again, paying attention as a form of gameplay. Um, Yeah. Like like all of that is so, so foundational. Yep. And and as we'll discuss, like the good ones aren't arbitrary and they reward (laughs) that paying attention. Right. And the bad ones don't. But the bad ones are still fun. Right. Um, so let's uh, let's talk a little bit about the history mm-hmm. of uh, of game books, and I, I will freely admit that this is paraphrased for the most part from Wikipedia. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you don't like uh, people reading from Wikipedia, sorry. Um, <laughs> so the uh, the first game book uh, was by uh, Jorge Luis Borges, and is uh, a book called Examen de la Obra de Herbert Quain mm-hmm. um, in 1941, and this is actually a series um, where it is three or one book. That had a branching point at the end that split into three books, which each, each then split into three books. Mm-hmm. So the actual last book you would read mm-hmm. would be different. It had nine possible final books in the series, yeah. um, which I haven't seen replicated, you know, and I, I feel like this is the only one of those I've heard of. And it's a really interesting take on on this. Oh, just like spanning multiple works. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I could see why you wouldn't do it because half the people who bought your first book wouldn't buy your, <laughs> wouldn't buy the second one. Yeah. Like you know, it it is commercial suicide, but it's a cool idea. Yeah. Um, I don't know anything else about it other than that. Mm-hmm. So. I, I, and and like you know, the forties kind of seemed like a that that seems like a good time for that kind of you know postmodernism playing with the format of text. Yeah, kind of coming through. Um, you know, so that it's it definitely seems to be a product of its time, and you know. Just this, this obscure Argent, Argentinian author 
unintentionally kind of founding this the, the, this the, this uh, um, genre seems mm-hmm. appropriate. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, weirdly enough, this was popular in education uh, for 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 a for a small amount of time. Uh, there were a series of books uh, uh, written by B. F. Skinner. Yes, of, of the Skinner box, not B. F. Skinner. Um, that were again kind of... going into games. <laughs> yep. Like the man responsible for why you feel good when you get loot in Borderlands. <laughs> the, the man who invented dopamine. Um, yes. Yeah. Uh, the, these were kind of uh, simple pass fail kind of things. It was uh, a little bit of like this, like Socratic method in teaching hmm. a little bit. Uh, I, I get the sense from like, re- like reading into these. It just says, okay, it stops you and tests your knowledge as you're going along. And if you fail, you, you know, go back, but it's a way to kind of, you know, kind of add a little bit of grit and texture to those. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there were textbooks of these called Tudor text, which was the uh, and I, I think this is a European uh, series. Mm-hmm. And these were huge influences on Ian Livingstone and Steve Jackson, names we'll be talking about a little bit later, who are the pioneers of what we know uh, today as game books. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Um, and then nothing happened for a while <laughs> until <laughs> yep. until uh, 1979 when Bantam uh, put out the cave of time as part of this, um, kind of massive series that, uh, I was kind of surprised to find out is still running to this day. It went away for a long time and came back. Hmm. Like, uh, they started publishing, somebody acquired the rights and started publishing or republishing old ones in box sets and then started publishing new ones Nice. after that, which is cool. Like there are new, you can go into a target and buy a choose your own adventure book that is new. <laughs> today which is oh, awesome that's that's great i i, I think yeah. i think now that i know that my gift giving to younger relatives is going to drastically change yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. so choose your own adventure is, is the big dog mm-hmm. of the block um there are uh, it's super famous there are 185 entries in the series and this format kind of boomed in the 80s uh and early 90s and then declined so there are a lot of uh kind of outliers and and weird knockoffs yeah. um tons of them yeah part of the part, part of the glut that came along yeah um as i mentioned before you had the uh, the give yourself goosebumps <clears throat> which i'm kind of heartened to know it wasn't just me like a lot of our listeners um kind of had those as well mm-hmm. so you know i mean that's not terribly surprising because goosebumps is a huge thing 90s kids represent whoop whoop top 10 list uh, yeah. but yeah uh, <laughs> those were at least notable in my in my experience yeah, and as an '80s kid, I thank you for uh, sending me that goosebumps. Goosebumps. That was the first. You know, that's the first goosebumps anything I've consumed. I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, yeah, like I was just a little too old for it. Uh-huh. You know, and uh, it was delightful. Like I it's, get why those are popular because they're they're really off the wall and crazy. It's all like that every single yeah, one. That, that's 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 wonderful. I like it. Um, and there there are modern permutations as well. So uh, interactive fiction. Um, obviously has a lot kind of in common with us. This started on mainframes uh, in these late 70s and 80s. And eventually we will do our own uh, special on interactive fiction because that's a huge topic. Yeah. And, uh, you know, doing one episode on an interactive fiction game doesn't make sense, but doing uh, an episode on kind of the format does. Definitely. Yeah. Um, as we mentioned, we had, we had twine games, um, adventure games, both kind of like graphical um, and uh, kind of some of the the, 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 the Sierra type ones. Um, I mm-hmm. would say, uh, you know, any anytime where you can make a choice and there's a fail condition mm-hmm. um, kind of that is uh, bespoke and uh, kind of like narratively important um, kind of owes a little bit to that. Mm-hmm. Uh, Telltale, obviously, which is huge. And uh, Telltale, like the new Telltale mm-hmm. post Sam and Max um, is very much those are very much choose your own adventure games essentially and then uh click hole click ventures (laughs) which is new and amazing yeah um (laughs) 
So <laughs> like they stumbled upon that pretty early with the chamber. But yeah. uh, like over the past two months, as of recording, we had uh, get get right with God. The uh, <laughs> the mm-hmm. uh, what is it? The, the the mystery of Spider Skull Island or something like that. Yeah, like just a yeah. bunch of them that are just implemented in HTML. That you know, it's click hole, so they're 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 fucking hilarious. But it's just bizarre that that is something that cropped up. Well, well, the, the chamber is just a quiz. Oh yeah, but this, like, yeah, this, tell, this tell me new... that. Tell me that isn't a choose your own adventure. Of yeah, a it, fe- it feels yeah. very much, very much like one. I would love to read a choose your own adventure. Those low is based on the chamber. <laughs> I love, I love the chamber. Um, so there are some weird uh, kind of outliers as well, like different ways the format has been used. Um, Heather uh, McElhattens. McElhattens. I don't know how to pronounce her last name, mm-hmm. um, but she has a, a book called Pretty Little Mistakes, a do-over novel which is uh, one of a couple adult Choose Your Own Adventure books. Hmm. Um, I have not read it, but I, I read about it. Adult as in uh, erotic or adult as in geared towards people over the age of Adult as in serious fiction. Okay. So, like, I, I, I mean, I don't know how many nip slips are in the book. <laughs> like, but I didn't read it as being explicitly, you know, cum shots. <laughs> so, <laughs> <laughs> Just illustrated cum shots. Yeah, turn if you would like to see it pointed at a 45-degree angle. Turn to page 46, but at a 47-degree angle. Oh, my gosh. Trying to model physics inside of a choose-your-own-adventure game. Yeah, that would be difficult, especially when it comes to cock physics. Yep, cum shot dynamics. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's see here. We had uh, we had Jason Shiga, I believe is mm-hmm. the pronunciation, did Meanwhile, which is kind of a, a comic book version of this, uh, where the branching paths were like down to individual panels <clears throat> you would look at. Yeah. Yeah, it, it, I've got this. It's really uh, kind of beautiful mm-hmm. to look at. Um, but the way it works when you have to change pages are these little tabs on the side mm-hmm. that have different colored uh, kind of pipes that lead to different pages. Mm-hmm. And sometimes those pipes will go in the middle of the page to start with. So the whole thing is a very, like, kinetic experience. You're spending a lot of like, – you're not reading panels in order um, or anything like that. It is a really fun, like, cute, you know, boy meets a mad scientist story and mm-hmm. ends up meeting himself. <laughs> um, but it's a really like attractive book and is really neat. Hmm. Um, there's also a couple other ones um, that I picked up. Um, I don't know how famous these are, but I uh, own them because I like Choose Your Adventure. Um, there is a, a book called, excuse me, um, Love is Not Constantly Wondering if You're Making the Biggest Mistake of Your Life, <laughs> which is uh, written by someone who is an anonymous author um, in Portland. So this might actually just be a Portland thing I've seen in a hmm. Portland bookstore and and everything. And then uh, Neither Either Nor Or by Joey Dubuck. And uh, these are weird kind of postmodern adult takes on the format. Um, you're made, uh, love is not wondering, constantly wondering if you're making the biggest mistake of your life. Um, mostly apes the aesthetics. There are some kind of choices, but they, they aren't really emphasized so much. Um, neither Either Nor Or is like a really weird kind of postmodern actual choose your own adventure book. So again, adult, but not like adult fiction you know, about adults coming to terms with things. Hmm. These are kind of more experimental novels. Yeah. All those are really interesting. I hope you put those in the notes. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Yep. And they're, and they're good too. Like, uh, love is not constantly what boy. <laughs> Just say title. love, love. Yeah. Uh, that, that's a really good book. Like, I really like that book. It is like a really kind of sad tale of a, of a, you know, a, a misfit relationship, like being with somebody who's not right for you. Yeah. And, uh, it's, it's really good. So 
so that's our brief survey of kind of the of kind of the the, the, the factual bases of these. Uh, it wouldn't be watch out for fireballs if we didn't have a shared experience that we try and talk through, mm-hmm. which is uh, what we're going to be spending the next portion of the episode on. Yeah. So we both played uh, through sorcery, um, sorcery one, um, the Sham Mutani Mutanti Hills, Shamutanti uh, Hills, Shamutanti Hills, um, which is a Steve Jackson book um this is a it was part of a game series that was published by penguin between 1983 and 1985 mm-hmm. um and is an offshoot of the fighting fantasy series it takes place in the same universe or realm yeah with different mechanics right thankfully blessedly yes <laughs> we'll, we'll we'll talk about that yeah in the third part of the episode yeah uh, um the main innovation that sets it apart from fighting fantasy is the fact that there is a, a complex magic system which we're going to go through in detail a little bit later that is uh, something that is kind of absent from the regular kind of stock and standard fighting fantasies. And most other, uh, the way that magic is handled in other game books mm-hmm. with mechanics, um, I'll, I can speak to a little bit in the third section because I've yeah. played a bunch of them. And this is the most elegant use of it, mm-hmm. I think. Um, you can use the same character throughout all the books, similar to to Lone Wolf, and that gives this kind of series of a, a D&D campaign or progression that is super cool. Um, and we are playing the iOS port uh, developed by Inkle, um, which is pretty faithful. It's not 100% faithful, but it's pretty faithful um, because the actual book is hard to find now. Yeah. Um, but And also because it actually keeps track of your inventory and stats and stuff, which is which is a blessing. But we both also played uh, Lone Wolf series games where we actually did it with the pen and paper and can talk about that in the third section. Yeah. So uh, these the, the, the app versions of these come highly recommended. Inkle does really good work. Yeah, they're great. Um, yeah. And so and so I can at least say this is this is a pleasurable experience. Yeah. 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 So it's, it's really good. Like uh, it is. This is my favorite. Like choose your own adventure. I'd played up until possibly up until 80 days, which is also Inkle. Yeah. Um, and then this also has like this weird nostalgic kid feeling to me, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, which just lights me up. So the uh, it, it, it comes with a high recommendation for me as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, want me to tell you about the plot? Tell me about the plot, Cole. Yeah. So we are off in search of the legendary Crown of Kings, which bestows magical leadership powers uh, onto whoever wears it. Uh, this has been stolen by the Archmage of Mompong Fortress. And this is bad because he, uh, he's going to use that crown to take control over Kakabad. Yes. Is that shit bad? Yeah, Kakabad. Um, yeah, <laughs> kind of shit bad. <laughs> uh, to invade the surrounding kingdoms. Yeah, and in this game we play as the Analander, uh, Analander, the uh, it was a lone wanderer sent out by the king to retrieve the crown. And in this first branch, we're just navigating the uh, Shamutanti Hills uh, to get to Kar, city port of traps, um, which is not a good name um, <laughs> for a town. One of the things I didn't mention that's pretty interesting is like this is the weird season of crossovers before our show is because sorcery was a big influence on Miyazaki for Dark Souls. Really. Yeah, it's in the design work works book. Yeah, I could believe that from the kind of the tone of the narrative that's set out this uh, you know European high fantasy and also also some of the punishing. Um, yeah, how, and how dismal it is. Yep. Like how how and how weird the settlements are and communities are. Like you can see a lot of kind of weird. Uh, you can see the influence mm-hmm. on sleeve, and and that's really cool too. So people who uh, who like Dark Souls, mm-hmm. yeah, maybe I'll do a little cross post for this episode <laughs> in the uh, bonfireside chat for that because we very easily could have done sorcery as part of an influence this season. Oh yeah. So we covered it somehow. Yep. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, exactly. As long as we're covering everything Dark Souls related before we die. (laughs) That's the only thing we need. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, So the generalities of this, uh, it Mm kind of seems like these 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 uh, game books take uh, kind of like one of two scopes. 
either mm-hmm. you know really down in the micro level it, it, within one particular dungeon or one particular town like a, a lot of the fighting fantasy that i've seen or they're like this where it's kind of a travel narrative where you're you know crossing a lot of ground and seeing of like a wide variety of different you know settlements to try and get from one place to the other yeah and and it has that kind of like similar to like lord of the rings where you know, it's all about resting and eating cheese, <laughs> you know, which is like my main, that's the main thing I remember about Lord of the Rings <laughs> is eating hard bread and cheese. Um, so it's got, it's got that kind of that fantasy thing to it. Um, there is this element of having a, like a, 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 a Patronus essentially, mm-hmm. like the spirit guide animal. I never quite figured out the mechanics of this. Neither did I. Um, I only had to would, call on it once. I figured out calling on it, but it would change, and I don't know why yeah. or what those changes did. But you, different animals will become your kind of spirit guide, mm-hmm. and uh, you can pray for them for help. But if you do so, you can't for a while, mm-hmm. um, which is reflected in the pen or the the paperback version mm-hmm. um, I've read online, which is interesting. Like if you choose, if it says like pray for your god, turn to this page. If you turn to that, then the rest of the branches for the the book that won't come up as an option. Oh, wow. Which is really interesting. That yeah, is, like it, it how, changes things. Like you can't do it. How many pages afterwards. is this book? I don't, I don't know. <laughs> that, that, like, that, that, that just adds another level of complexity. Like there are some different things that will drastically change the stuff that's available to you. Like the yeah. keeping track of all that state, like for so, kind of such a subtle difference on that. Part of the one of the ways that they do that in this book, as opposed to an actual choose your own adventure, is that it does passages instead of pages. Yeah. yeah. Um, so the uh, it, you can you can have kind of smaller sections. Yeah, and that happens like yeah. in the at least in the Lone Wolf and uh, Fighting Fantasy books that I did for the yeah, for, for the, which is, which is useful because the then you don't have to deal with like in an actual choose your own adventure book, you never cut off, you never have a choice halfway through a page and then have the second section. Mm-hmm. This doesn't deal with turn to this page; it says turn to this numbered. Bit so you can have a lot more content as long as each you know little bit has fewer words in it. Mm-hmm. So neat, um, yeah. So the kind of the the, the the big thing about this game is the is the spell casting. This is the main innovation of the series. Um, and what's weird is it's optional. Yeah, yeah. In the original books, um, you could choose cl- a class at the beginning. Mm-hmm. You could choose to be a sorcerer and kind of play the advanced version, or you could just play this as a regular fighting fantasy mm-hmm. book. But even in this version, where you can kind of have your cake and eat it too, um, it is totally optional. It just presents itself. Um, as an option. And, and the way they do it um, is that there are these kind of uh, spells are made up of three different letters. Mm-hmm. And uh, depending on where you are or what the situation is, different letters are available to you. Those are different stars. Yeah. And uh, you call on them in the correct order to make a spell effect. Yeah. Um, but there are tons of them. Like there are just, you know, and some of them have cutesy names that reference <laughs> what they do. And some of them don't. Right. Um, so if you're playing through the game, they actually sold a spell book to go along <laughs> with it, to have open next to you, which I think is cool, but, uh, they encourage you to just try to memorize them, yeah. you know, because you could actually miscast spells mm-hmm. in the, uh, the book version in the, uh, the iOS version. It won't let you proceed if right. you're going to cast something that's going to fizzle out. Yeah. So <laughs> what that led to was a lot of me flipping through the entirety of the spell book just to mm-hmm. ju- ju- just to be sure. And the interface the interface in the app version is pretty good because it'll highlight the spells that are available in a spot. Yeah. 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 So that yeah. is uh, and, good. Or no, I was just going to say um that's why I ended up doing as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so you uh, you either cast from your stamina pool, like you cast from HP, or you cast from reagents uh, that you pick up uh, as you go along, uh, rewarding you for uh, kind of taking more risks um, to, uh, to 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 build out your verb set later on. Yep, and yeah, that's essentially the uh, you know when you find miscellaneous stuff, <laughs> it goes to a spell. 
Um, so let's talk about combat a little bit. Um, there's a lot of combat in this book. Yes. Um, I love the way that the app handles it, actually. Yeah. 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 And this is this is different, I believe, mm-hmm. than the uh, the actual book version. I think this is a simplified version. Yeah. Um, but I haven't got my hands on the actual book. I'm just curious about it. Yeah. yeah I well, I nothing nothing turned up when I was doing searches around it. It is uh, yeah. it is one of those things that has a, a terribly uh, as uh, yeah a terribly crowded namespace. So trying to yeah. search for that. Um, really difficult, but at least in the app, uh, you're kind of doing this risk and reward where you're, where you're kind of like wagering energy, uh, from your, from your, uh, kind of endurance pool. Um, and you're hoping that you commit more energy than your, than, than your enemy does. And that depletes as you go along. Yes. And if you're, you're trying to read whether your, uh, enemy is going to kind of go all out, um, because then you just want to defend because the most damage you can take if you defend is one. Mm -hmm. You know, um, which is super cool. And the way that you tell what your enemy is going to do is by reading the text. Mm -hmm. And uh, some enemies are harder to read than others. So if like if it's a a totally alien kind of presence, as is the kind of uh, the final boss of this this book, Mm -hmm. at least for me, I I, we're going to see how much our uh, experiences differed and 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 were the same. Um, It was a an insect creature thing, so it was hard to read. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, th- th- this is kind of uh, it allows you to take two different tacks. Right. And mm-hmm. uh, if you fail a combat, you can restart like all of the all of the kind of state tracking in the app version is really kind, I think, except for one bug that you ran into, which obliterated, obliterated all of your progress. It wasn't it wasn't a bug. It just that it was just me thinking the game thing. I just wanted to start over. Oh, OK. I just I just it was a finger slip. Hmm. It was a nip slip. <laughs> the. Uh, and and the uh, so that it's super kind. Even if it goes down to like you lost this much stamina, do you want to do the fight again and lose less? Uh-huh. You know, it's you don't even have to lose the fight in order to restart. Yeah, you know, which is which is really cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So um, let's get into the actual the actual course of uh, of play here. I've taken uh, kind of Gary's notes and my notes and interleaved them uh, into the different encounters that we have. Um, and, mm-hmm. uh, what's funny is they did line up, uh, there are probably whole paths that we're ignore- that we're ignoring on this. So it's not going to be a comprehensive look at like, here's what happens in this, but more of kind of like a travelogue that we are kind of sharing and comparing. Yeah. It's, it's not like the bonfire side chat season on sorcery. <laughs> like this episode, we're talking about Chris to Tan, Tanty, <laughs> you know? The, the lore around the innkeep, you know, who's here. Yeah. But uh, you start out um, in this kind of first area that is a tutorial. Yeah. Um, kind of being taught the basics. Yes, you are. You are behind this gate outside of a blighted land uh, being taught the basics by the site masters. These guys who wear crazy, crazy masks. Yeah, which are really cool. Like that's a real weird, <laughs> you know, non-standard fantasy detail. Like they can see like for miles because yeah. these masks and they're, they're kind of posted on the, these uh, this border, mm-hmm. which is super cool. Yeah. So after you learn the basics, which is incredibly, incredibly kind, do, do we know if this if this tutorial is represented in the book or if uh... I, I bet you it's just set up as a rule section mm-hmm. in the beginning? I almost guarantee it's not set up through play. OK, um, there's probably an example combat mm-hmm. and an example spell casting, but probably not an actual one that your character does. I could see that. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, you use your uh, knock spell in order to open the gate and proceed into this blighted land of the Shamutanti Hills where half of your max HP goes away. Yeah. Yeah. Which is which is a real punch in the gut (laughs) and really kind of sells how uh, treacherous this area is Um, right on the road as kind of like the the book's equivalent or game's equivalent of a real combat tutorial. You run into some bandits (laughs) kind of right away. And uh, this is so differently. 
Yeah, it, it's it's super it's super interesting. Like you can you know you're you have the ability to cast spells, and I was torn between wanting to conserve HP versus wanting to just see what I could do. Yeah. Um. So if you put up FOF, um, Foth, um, up here, it creates a force field, and the bandits will actually pound on it until they get bored and leave. <laughs> um, and that's how you get through the encounter. <laughs> Yep. Uh, whereas, whereas I was more interested in kind of playing around the combat because I didn't feel like the tutorial kind of like showed me everything I wanted to. I just uh, mm -hmm. I opted to kill them, uh, thinking, "Hey, cool! I'm going to get some loot to spend at this town." Uh, and no, they didn't have anything. That's why they were robbing me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which may again, like, it does play kind of in that Dark Souls bleakness. Mm -hmm. You know, like you're not necessarily rewarded for doing traditional game things like that. Um, so the first kind of town in the path um, is Cantopani. And uh, when you get to a town, you can either visit the town or pass them by. Mm -hmm. And there are pluses and minuses to both. Right. So this is something that happens a lot in the, the, the fighting fantasy games that I have that, that, that I've played, um, just where it presents you with the, 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 these choices to either ignore something or dive into it. This is really kind compared to those other experiences, because the, the, the consequence waiting on the other side is not always death. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. So um, this is this is a real basic town. There'll be towns with kind of more of a gimmick to them a little bit later. But this is just kind of like a mud hut village. Yeah. You know, and they're really, really pouring on the descriptions of destitute people. <laughs> yes, they are. Like they, they do a really good job of selling this whole area between here and, and car as like a hellscape. Mm -hmm. Like it is it is a really unpleasant land. Yeah, it is. the It is the foothills of Mordor. Yeah. 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 Um, th this is kind of the introduction to commerce in the game mm -hmm. um, where uh, it's kind of done as a conversation with the, uh, the shopkeeper who will not describe what anything does like, mm -hmm. Oh, you have to buy it to find out. So like, I'm not going to just buy a big bag of teeth. <laughs> if I don't know what the teeth are for, <laughs> you know, so, no matter what the press says about me. <laughs> yeah. I actually, since I'm packing to move, I have uh, one of my teeth that was removed in a bag <laughs> Um, that was the tooth that they took out on the day that I was at the dentist when the uh, Valentine's Day shooting took place at the college I worked at. Oh, no. So it was my like, lucky tooth. So I just like was exposed to my bag of teeth <laughs> that I forgot about, forgot about having. So Cool. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm lucky. I just bought a sword because I didn't want to buy a pig in a poke or a yeah. potion in an, in an unlabeled bottle. Yeah. 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 And anything that any of those things like those teeth are are for spells. Yeah. Like, they'll, like they will summon whatever creature they come from. Yeah. And you don't need them, though. Like the nice thing about magic being optional is like you're never going to end up in a, like a space quest situation where you didn't pick up the shard of glass from the floor and then can't make progress mm -hmm. in this game. Like it's all optional. Yeah. Um, it just expands your verb set. Um, if you go kind of go south from here, there's this cliffside uh, quest where you get to a a sign that says like you know have faith to go down to a cave that's below <laughs> which was exactly like a try jumping dark soul sign <laughs> um but as i try to as i did it and i tried to fell i tried to cast the levitate spell but didn't have the reagent and i don't oh. know where to get the reagent so i died and this is the first time i died in the game huh. um the ios version you literally can just press rewind and go back to the beginning of that encounter yeah. but i never did find out what was in that cave huh. which is a bummer yeah, that's the uh, that, that's the bad part uh, about doing it in the app is you can't just kind of cheat and look and see what the other outcome is. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you can you can go play it and then go back to the the crossroads. Yeah, which is what I accidentally did. Mm. Um, but you can't do it quickly. 
You actually have to play through it. Um, and then on our, our way here, I, there's an elven woods and a, like a goblin mine. And, uh, and I avoided the elves and um, went towards the mine. And uh, totally as an optional thing, you can either just kind of bypass it or sneak in mm-hmm. um, and get some money and, and do some fights, which I did. And it actually does feel kind of spooky. Like the app does a really good version of having kind of ambient sounds mm-hmm. um, that go along with the areas you're in. And the, uh, you know, I felt like I was somewhere where I wasn't supposed to be kind of hiding, mm. um, which was pretty cool. And, and it's funny because that comes up later. Like these goblins are preparing for war on the next kind of town you're going you're going into. Yeah, I decided sure. to to pass these guys over because I didn't want to risk it. It's like, oh, that's not why I'm here. It's to, it's yeah. to kind of like get through. Um, and it, even even when you when you uh, say like you're going to go do something, your guy is like, should I stick to my plan to save the world, or maybe I just I'm just kind of curious. Like your guy even kind of lampshades yeah. the fact that it's irresponsible for you to do this side <laughs> stuff. Yeah. Like you could sell it as like you're trying to get resources for your mission, which you are like the more if you do a critical path, like beeline through this first episode, mm-hmm. the way that the uh, you can play the second episode by they give you a, a password spell that lets you import this character into the second uh, iOS version. Mm-hmm. And depending on how much side questing you did, you'll be more or less prepared for the second right. book. Yeah, which is a really impressive amount of continuity, like, mm-hmm. you know, just. They did that in Graystar, right? Or, or not, not Graystar. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, where just your character sheet would would uh, port over. Yeah, I played I played through the first four Lone Wolf books on pen and paper with the same guy. Nice. Which was super cool. Yeah, as a kid. I was very happy with that. Yeah. Oh, man, that reminds me of uh, uh, when we were talking about the uh, adventure stuff, Quest for Glory. Like, oh, sure. Th- that is straight up that. Yeah. Huh. Yep, yep. Which is very cool. Yeah. It's funny how different our approaches were. You used a spell to get around the first bandits. I just killed them because because sword good. Um, you decided to go in and check out this mind and be stealthy, whereas I saw some bees and thought, hmm, honey. Yeah, I, I didn't go for the bees. <laughs> yeah, for for some reason or another, I was like, ah, bees, whatever. I, I knew there was a I knew there was a spell that mm-hmm. used beeswax as beeswax as a reagent. Um, and so I wanted to. I, I I saw that as a high value target. Also, delicious, delicious honey. <laughs> My honey tastes good. The uh, and it's paleo, bro. The um, <laughs> rescuing this old man is good too because he gives you. He's on the run and he gives you a page from a spell book, mm-hmm. um, which comes into play later yeah. or can mm-hmm. um, as kind of a quest item. Yeah. So I rescued the old man as well, but I left the bees alone. <laughs> <laughs> so even though I, I do think that like playing a choose your own adventure book of any kind, like you should play as the most reckless idiot you can, mm-hmm. and and you're gonna have the best time because since you can, there's no consequences and you can always start over. Yeah. Um, but for some reason, I didn't go climb a tree and reach my hand into a beehive. Yeah. I, I just think, well, that's not gonna end well. <laughs> you only take a little bit of damage. Yeah, joke's on me though. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't get that honey. Hey, free honey. Um, yeah, <laughs> that's a good spell too. The Raz Razor. Oh, sure. It's basically like win this battle for free card. That's cool. Yeah. Raz. Raz. That's a, that's the main character of Psychonauts. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so Krista Tanti village, uh, not much happens here, at least in my, in my experience, this is just kind of the, the, the relatively affluent town. I, I say that mm-hmm. instead of rich because it's the Shamantanti Hills. Yeah. Forget it, Jake. <laughs> yep. <laughs> it's the Shamantanti Hills. Uh, <laughs> and the sequel to that movie was really weird. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I never watched the two Jakes, but I'm sure it is. <laughs> the two Jakes. Yeah, it's really funny. That's the name of it. Like, Wait that, that's the name of the sequel to, to there's, Chinatown. There's a sequel to Chinatown. Yeah, it's called the Two Jakes. Huh? I never saw that. Yeah, so Chinatown's like one of my favorite movies. 
Yeah, man, the two Jakes. Huh. I, I just I, I just realized that I it came out in 1990. I just realized I was possibly dreaming it, so I just looked it up. But <laughs> it's true. It's huh. a sequel to Chinatown. Came out 16 years later. Wow. Yeah. Huh. So that's probably something I should check out. Yeah, it's supposed to be really bad, but you should you should watch it so I don't have to. Yeah. No. It had Tom Waits in it. In an yeah, uncredited and, cameo. And Harvey Keitel. <laughs> Harvey Keitel was in it. Was in everything in the 90s. I. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, um, this is something that uh, so, so uh, Chris Tanti, you find out they just like, oh, there are these bird men who are in play that never really pops back up in the story. Not in this story. I'm sure that they come into play in a big way later. Yeah. And I'm like disappointed that like apparently they're not doing sorcery three and four. Or they're they... not doing it or it just hasn't happened yet. Hasn't happened yet. OK, because there there's a long wait between one and two. OK, so I still have hope because I would like to play all these on my phone. Me too. Um, then you head into the uh, Medini Forest, uh, Liaki Ruins. Yeah, um, it's, a, it's, it's a choice either either to go through the forest or the ruins. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And uh, I don't I didn't do anything noteworthy there. I don't remember mm-hmm. what actually happened there, but uh, you had a, a little little bit of a thing here. Yeah. So the so the ruins are pretty cool. It's a very evocative description of uh, just kind of uh, you get the sense of like an archaeological dig almost like there once was a civilization here that didn't have human proportions. Um, mm. And uh, it, it kind of builds up a lot of suspense around is something hiding here or not. And I investigated pretty thoroughly, but there isn't. Um, there mm. are these giants who live in the mountains up above. Uh, if you go into one giant cave, you find a skull and you take some of his teeth and then you go to his neighbor's house and uh, <laughs> you take just, some more teeth. Yeah, just just, just take, some, <laughs> take some teeth. He's, he's not using them. You're paying me in teeth? Yeah. <laughs> he's dead. Yeah. Yeah. And then you, and then so I won the uh, an encounter with a giant that I surely would have uh, uh failed by using those teeth to summon another giant to soften him up. There we go. Yeah. Yeah. So that yeah. that was just a, a situation where choosing the left cave instead of the right cave uh ended up working out. And I'm not generally a fan of those kind of splits where it's just like okay, yeah. you, you have two and nothing to inform it. Yeah. It's like just, yeah. it might as well just say flip a coin. And and there are that that is something that we're going to talk about kind of in generalities, and we talk about other game books like the mark of a good game book, yeah. you know, is one that uh, has an arbitrary choice that just kills you, mm-hmm. or one that uh, you can actually kind of suss it out and use use your wits. Mm-hmm. Um, and that that's dark dark souls is shit, man. Yeah, like an abandoned ruin where the proportions are not human. Yep, like that's that's great. Yeah, that's what, um, that's explicitly why I headed towards those ruins. Yeah, super cool. Then you go to the the pleasantly named Dumpus. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Dumpus. He's he's Goofus's uh, cousin, who's even more of a fuck up. It's it's not, it's like Goofus the middle name of the Sandlot Dumpus. kid. <laughs> Dump- like Dumpus. <laughs> when you say the Sandlot kid, you mean you mean the Sandlot kid, right? I meant Angus. Yeah, okay. I think it's what I actually meant. <laughs> but similar. Yeah. Yeah. So this is kind um, of this is the uh, the 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 poor town, right? This is. Mm-hmm. This is the, uh, the the Pawnee to the uh, to the rich town that's next to Pawnee. <sighs> get your get your act together, Cole. Um, <laughs> yep. Uh, but uh, uh, these guys they know about the goblin threat against uh, against Cristatanti, and mm-hmm. uh, I, I acted as kind of the person who goaded them into stepping to uh, Cristatanti's defense. Yeah, I, I did this too. I just forgot about it mm-hmm. until I until I saw your notes. Um, you essentially just convince them. They're like, "What do those rich people ever do for us?" And you say, "If you do this, they'll be in your debt." Mm-hmm. Um, so you kind of use their own natural greed to coerce them into doing good. Yeah. Um, I also took this grave digging job, but I didn't have 
there was some reason I couldn't cast big mm-hmm. at this point. Um, I maybe didn't have the uh, the reagent for it, or maybe you know I didn't have the endurance for it. Yeah. So I just ended up instead of sleeping, just working overnight digging, digging. <laughs> and it's not, it's, is it graves or is it a cesspit? Oh, it's a cesspit. I just called yeah, it grave not, digging. Yeah, it's not grave digging. I mean, the verb is similar. <laughs> yeah. But one of them is rooting around in human shit, <laughs> dumpest shit, no less. And the other one is just digging pleasant graves full of spooky, scary, fun skeletons. <laughs> like, I know which one I'd rather do. Um, so I ended up spending all, like, as the big hero, just spending up all night just, like, digging up shit. Yeah. Well, it's worth uh, it to carry around that fortune-telling machine to cast the big spell. Yeah. Yeah, Exactly. Yeah, the uh, Zar- Zardoz or <laughs> yeah, Z- you know, what? I, yeah, I think it's Xantar. I about said Zardoz before yeah. before I took before I took a a swerve to get around saying Zardoz. <laughs> yeah, because that the, the Zardoz machine is is an entirely different thing. Yeah. Um, uh, did you go to the Plague Town after this? I didn't. I checked it out just long enough to notice that people are everyone in the town had a problem. Mm-hmm. Like if you go uh, if you go to the, you so you check out this town uh, Uristanti. And, uh, you know, you get there and it seems like a pleasant town. And then you notice that, like, nobody is laughing. And then when you get closer, you notice, like, everyone is limping or is missing an arm mm. or anything like that. And I was just like, nope. And, like, <laughs> turned around. Um, Whereas I, my natural inquisitiveness, as everybody was fleeing from me, I walked up to a hut, knocked on the door, walked inside, shook somebody's hand. And like, no, no, you've doomed yourself. Yep. Yeah, because these people have the plague. <laughs> yes, they do. Um, yeah. And so there's an opportunity to heal them uh, by 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 pulling a little bit of a Jesus kind of t- thing and turning a he- turning one healing potion into enough for everybody to kind mm-hmm. of save this town. But I didn't have the healing potion. Maybe that's what the guy in the first town was trying to sell me. I'm not sure. Oh but yeah. I ended up running out of the town, being overcome by purple sores, and then praying to my God <laughs> to, <laughs> to, to be healed. And that that kind of that option was taken away from me for the rest of the episode. Yeah. <laughs> Thank goodness. But I mean at the very least you you didn't have the plague. Yeah. Pretty serious. Um up to uh, this is one of my favorite like subversive weird things in this game. Yeah. Um, on your way to uh, uh, Baratanti, you're introduced to John the Pixie, mm-hmm. um, who is this little. Uh, it reminds me of Puck yep. from Berserk a little bit because yeah. um, it's the same kind of androgynous, you know, little little fairy thing. Mm-hmm. Um, who decides to tag along with you whether you like it or not? Yeah. Um, you can kind of threaten him into leaving, but he won't do it. Right. And it's kind of cool because he will give you advice. But uh, magic doesn't work around pixies. Yeah, there's a, a, a minotite or whatever the yeah proprietary version of pixie is. And and you have to uh, you find that out the hard way, kind mm-hmm. of exclusively. Like it is, he never tells you that. It's just the first time you try to cast a spell <laughs> in a fight, the uh, it doesn't work, and the person gets a free hit on you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so he's cool. Um, he he is a trickster, just like Puck is. Um, mm-hmm. and he, he wants to get, in, get, get through the town, but he needs a, he needs an escort. So that's why he's sticking around, uh, using you kind of for protection and he needs protection because this town is currently in its festival of youth. Yes. <laughs> Which is again, super weird. It's one day a year where all the kids get to do whatever they want and adults have to do whatever they say. <laughs> what if Nickelodeon was a, was a day? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like a Nickelodeon, the town, like it is, it is super weird. <laughs> Um, it's like, what would you do? <laughs> uh, Opolis. Yeah. The, uh, 
yeah, it's super weird. Like the uh, uh, and and some of the, most of the adults are fine with it too. Mm-hmm. It's real weird. Like when you go to the bar, like the bartender's like, "Oh, Jan, you love a little puck," and he's like <laughs> spilling beer droplets for him to get drunk off of and stuff. <laughs> but then you 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 run into it and there's like just a, like all these kids just ganging out like gang spanking this old woman. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know if it was all these kids. I just pictured one kid, like a weird little David Lynch tableau. <laughs> like, yeah, just, just, just like just, just rhythmic eye like, contact and, like, with you and slow. <laughs> like, um, <laughs> the granny is just like, uh, uh, just kind of dispassionate, like not making any noise. Yeah, just, grandmother is a bad kid. <laughs> grandmother is a bad kid. Uh, no porridge for grandmother. Yeah, no. Pick up your room, grandmother. Um, this hurts you more than it hurts me, hurts me. grandmother. Um, so uh, this, I think, was the first time that I died. Uh, I'm trying to save this poor woman. Yeah, we get killed by a mob of kids. Yep. It's pretty great. Like it's pretty awesome. Um and and this is the this weird idea of cultural relativity in this world. Uh-huh. Where like it down to the individual village level. Like when in Rome. <laughs> Um, uh, so, so we learn about, you can actually learn about a, uh, super depressed that, uh, that nearby town. Mm-hmm. You can learn about the plague town. Yeah. Which yeah. you passed through. To get yeah. There. Um, and there's also a, like some like girls who whisper about a healing fountain mm-hmm. that's nearby. Yeah. And, uh, if you, if you head by, there's like a tough kid who's charging for access to this, uh, this crystal waterfall. Yeah. I assume this is if you have, if you still have the plague from passing through, they'll direct you to this. Yeah. Um, that's the only purpose I can see because there's no like other disease system in the game. No, that, that, yeah, that, 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 that I, I can find. Yeah, I, I went here because it sounded nice. Yeah, um, but then when you actually find out about like its dark origins, <laughs> not really dark, but there is something to this this uh, this healing pool, mm-hmm. which is cool. Like it could have just been a, like a generic healing pool that was just there, but they actually take the the trouble to explain it. Yeah. So. Uh, so as you're leaving this town, you have a you have a choice, um, and this leads to another one of like my favorite scenes in the game, mm-hmm. uh, the uh, the field of black flowers. If you decide to go left towards what appears to be the easier course that doesn't involve you know a dark, scary woods, uh, you come to this field that is beckoning to you, kind of. Yeah, and uh, Jan wants you to go here. Mm-hmm. Jan's like, this sounds great, mm-hmm. um, and you have a spell called Sus, which allows you to kind of determine whether something is dangerous. Mm-hmm. And uh, when you try to, Jan, you can't cast it mm-hmm. at this point. So you can actually find – I found this out in a fight earlier. But if you hadn't found that out, this will, this will stop you. Yeah. Um, so you can't see what's going to happen if you go into the field of black flowers. Mm-hmm. And uh, they're carnivorous plants. Yeah. Like they, they put you to sleep. And you, you're just kind of walking around this field of black flowers and start noticing the, the ground is littered with skeletons, <laughs> which yeah. is awesome. And so taking one step in is enough to doom you. And um, it's super – it's super creepy because you can say like, okay, walk away. But like the, 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 the passage that that takes you to is you start to, you know, roll around in the flowers and it's like, yeah. you try to either walk away or dance. And it's like, okay, I'll walk away. You sniff the flowers, you know? <laughs> yeah. So, it, it's, it's a weird dissonance between what you think you're choosing to do and what your character is doing. Yeah. It's a, it's great, a really cool, like gameplay narrative intersection. Yeah. It's a great way to put in like compulsion. Yeah, it's really cool. Yeah. Like you should do it if you're playing through this, and then just you know reload mm-hmm. and go the other way. Yeah, yeah. Um, one of one of the better death sequences I've seen in an experience like this. 
Yeah, super, super cool. Yeah. Um, the actual, so if you go the other way, you eventually end up at a, a witch mm-hmm. uh, named Gaza, um, Gaza Moon. And uh, you don't know that she's a witch necessarily. Um, and she does this little glass thing. <laughs> Did she do this with you, the little wine, like switcheroo? Yeah. Uh, Princess Bride thing. <laughs> Which I'd be, yeah, I'd be very curious to see what would happen if I didn't switch it, because obviously I'm going to switch it. But yeah. when you do that, she says, oh, I count on people not trusting me. Yeah, which I wonder if they're just both poisoned, mm-hmm. you know, like, uh, and, uh, you know, similar to Princess Bride. Yeah. But she paralyzes you, and, like, you think that's just going to go down, mm-hmm. but she finds that spell page you have on you from the old man mm-hmm. and uh, and frees you. And then the spell ends up being one that gets rid of pest, and she can actually cast it and kill, or not kill, get rid of Jan. And you ask, like, is he dead? And she goes, no, but he won't be bothering you again. <laughs> or, like, he won't be bothering anyone again or something like just very, like, Ugh. Oh, no. Or Jan. Yeah. Poor little guy didn't deserve that. No. So, I like I said, no, like, let's, I'm not going to let you do that. Just keep that spell. Let me leave. I, I let her murder Jan. I okay. wanted to cast spells again. <laughs> Um, yeah. so the, uh, poor Jan, poor Jan. he's probably not, he's probably just being tortured in like the, <laughs> you know, the nether realm sent to the black bug room. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Everyone's got a black bug room, Jan. Yeah. This one's yours. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. So I'm, I'll be kind of curious to hear how that affects the, 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 the final town, this kind of final encounter, because you fought a different end boss than I did. Yeah, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, so the, uh, the, you're in the final kind of village of this, this book, uh, Torapani. And uh, Torapani is an orc um, village, the Svin. Mm-hmm. And uh, they are super bummed out because their chieftain's daughter has been kidnapped uh, by these goblins. And you're kind of conscripted to, uh, to rescue mm-hmm. uh, rescue her. Yes, they, they pick you up as soon as they find out that you're an adventurer. Literally pick you up and yeah. almost throw you down into this dungeon. Yes. And uh, the so you are kind of making your way through this... Uh, uh, you know, kind of maze down here, which is kind of cool. Like it's, it's like a text adventure thing. Like if you, you know, that's a big thing in interactive fiction, mm-hmm. like mazes, you know, no mazes, whatever one that you want to do. And the, uh, you're kind of playing through it in this book form, trying to find your way to this, this young girl. And you can kind of hear her crying every once in a while and hear hints, but it's really just like, you know, the passage is descending, mm-hmm. you know, you come across a, an intersection. Like it is actually kind of tricky. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, my my strategy for this and all mazes that are like this is to always go left, and mm-hmm. that, that that just got me right to the right to the solution. That's good. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I don't know. Maybe I just got incredibly lucky. The uh, so I I guys here in the notes like I think that I also fought the manticore at the end. I think mm-hmm. I fought a bug right before it. Oh. I think maybe I explored this and found a bug. Hmm. I remember fighting a gigantic centipede thing. Ooh. But I did find a manticore at the end as well. How are the descriptions on the centipede? Pretty good. Okay. Pretty leggy. <laughs> it's got legs to yaya. It's got gams and 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 gams. Yeah. It's got legs that go all the way up and make an ass of themselves. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. No, you, when, you say, when you said legs to gams, you, you, you said legs to legs. Yeah. Well, exactly. Okay. Like yeah. she, she has tons and tons of legs. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Hundreds of them, one hundred in yeah. a center. Yes, yeah, hmm. yeah. So uh, you you find her. The Manticore fight is really tough. Like it, it feels like a suitable combat challenge at the end of this. Mm-hmm. Like this is where I ended up using my beeswax uh, after I stripped it of its delicious, delicious honey. Mm. Um, how could you use the if, if you saw Jan with you? How could you use the bee, beeswax? You know what? Nope, I didn't. 
Okay. No, I don't know if you made it up, but you, you might have Oprah memoried it, but it's yeah. like the fight, there are more fights in this game than we're covering. Yeah. So you probably just used it during a different fight. Yeah. Like, and just, uh, that, that's what I had when I got mistaken with the centipede. Mm-hmm. Um, just because, uh, you know, in playing this on my phone in bed, it was hard to take notes. Yeah. I was, so that, I, that's I really did this the kind of the audio, end of it. audio. Yeah. yeah. So people will figure us. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, I kind of got out by the skin of my teeth. Yeah, this is this is a really hard fight. This took me uh, two you know two tries, which is the first fight that did that uh, for me. Just because him, he like the centipede uh, is very hard to read, um, so it's hard to know whether he's going to go all out. And he like toys with you and stuff. The descriptions are really, uh, really kind of sensuous and evocative, um, you know, in, in this kind of this creature. Um, but if you succeed, you get the daughter. Um, there's a little moment where they, they you think that the town is going to leave you in the well. Yeah. Um, cause they pull up the daughter and then you can either like freak out or you can wait patiently, but eventually they get you out and throw a big party. Mm-hmm. And for some reason they have the key to the gates of care. Yeah. Otherwise this is just locked. Everybody has to go through them. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like everyone has to rescue a daughter <laughs> to get in. <laughs> BYOD. Um, <laughs> Tora Pani needs daughters. Yes. Um, let's bring your daughter to car day. Yeah. The, um, so you get the key so you can go into the second book. If you have Jan with you at this point, he's like, nope, I'm out. And yeah, he's gone. which is, of course, like they couldn't design every encounter in the second book around <laughs> yeah. if you have Jan or not. They tell tilt it. Yeah. 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 Um, so I played a little bit into the uh, the second book. I didn't get very far into it because I'm in the process of moving. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, uh, it is interesting. There's a gambling game in it that happens really early where you can kind of bet money and do this weird dice game. And I wonder if that was represented in the uh, the paper version. That'd be cool. Yeah, that'd be super cool. Um, I have a thing for fantasy dice games. Like I end up, I've like, I put 10 hours into the Witcher one twice now <laughs> and never got further than that. But I spent tons of time playing the little dice game mm-hmm. from that. Cause it's really fun. Yeah. The dice game from Suikoden. Oh yeah. That's really fun too. Yeah. Yeah. I like, I like fantasy dice games and I like sorcery. Yeah. Sorcery is great. Like of the, of the kind of mechanics based, uh, ones that I've played, it is, it mm-hmm. is up there. Um, mm-hmm. I, I think that it is, it is comparable to gray star, uh, the, yeah. they are kind of similar in the way that they treat magic to a, to a, to a certain extent. Uh, but, uh, but this feels kind of like it is the right, the right degree of, uh, of challenge. And, uh, um, you know, it is suitably non-arbitrary and in, in like a lot, um, in a way that other fighting fantasy games are not. Yeah. It's really, really well done. And you can kind of tell why this is, you know, the marquee for the, the genre, so to speak, like this is the one that got, you know, there is a Lone Wolf iOS game, but I remember not liking the combat in the iOS version. Mm-hmm. Um, there's actually a hypertext, like kind of HTML version online. I'll put in the show notes. That is yeah. awesome. It's a bunch um, of them, too. They've got like all of the Lone Wolf stuff represented. Yeah, I, which I, is very, it. very cool. Yeah. Um, so you can check that out, even though we uh, actually played them on books. Mm-hmm. Uh, but now for the, uh, the so the, in, in retrospect, you know, out of games that we do for the show, mm-hmm. Sorcery might be the cheapest one that people who are listening to this could buy. <laughs> Like if you have a, if you have an iPhone, it's going to be like four bucks. Yeah. So uh, you should check it out. It's really fun. Yeah, I believe it's on Android. It's a, the, yeah, yeah. Uh, I know that eighty days is on Android, so Inkle does that, but I can't be sure. Yep. Yeah. And uh, you, I, I would. It's highly recommended. Um, so we're going to kind of do a book report section mm-hmm. um, where we're going to kind of go back and forth talking about weird outliers and books that we we played 
or did and uh, kind of things that we have. So we both did uh, something in the Lone Wolf engine and we both did a Goosebumps book. And then we did a lot of kind of miscellaneary yeah. stuff. Uh, so you, you go first, Cole, and then we'll kind of go back and forth. Yeah. So since I alluded to Greystar before, um, I really, really like this. So this is Greystar the Wizard. It takes place in the world of Lone Star. Um, I think it's Lone Wolf. A, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, there we go. Lone Wolf. Lone Star right. is a character from uh, it's, Spaceballs. It's, yeah, Spaceballs. And also a steakhouse. Yes. Um, <laughs> yeah. So you are the kind of this human wizard who has been raised by this magical race called the, uh, the Shiatanti or the Shianti mm-hmm. or something like that, um, who is kind of being sent out to uh, retrieve this powerful artifact called the Moonstone. Um, from the hands of this evil wizard who is, uh, you know, kind of using it for uh, ill purpose. Um, so you're being sent from this kind of magical society onto the mainland uh, uh, that kind of is lacking in this magic themselves. Mm-hmm. The way it handles magic is really cool because there are seven seven different you know kind of schools of magic you can take. Um, you know, evocation, elementalism, uh, psychomancy, you know, di- different stuff like that, and. Um, they all kind of are narrative based as opposed to being combat based. Right. So it's not like you will kind of like bring this up in the middle of an encounter. It'll just say, if you have the school of elementalism and you would like to use that to solve this problem, go to this passage. And then like, Oh, you summoned wind elementals to, to help you sail faster. And mm-hmm. those draw down from kind of like a general mana pool. And uh, mana is a really cool, um, uh, I believe it's a willpower is what they call it here, is a really cool resource because you can actually kind of uh, bet that or venture it to multiply your damage that you do in combat. Hmm. Um, So it's a really versatile kind of stat that you are kind of watching and paying attention to as much as you are, um, you know, your HP because it is it is equally viable. Something else really cool that it does is that it uh, it uh, uh, factors into kind of psychic combat combat as well. So there will be situations where they where they kind of change things up and they say, okay, take your you know your current willpower and your combat skill, and this represents you know like this total represents a pool that you're drawing from for like your you know mental fortitude against this horrible situation. Mm-hmm. Um, so they kind of play fast and loose in a way that something that is more strict doesn't. But what that mm-hmm. does is kind of unlocks um, a bunch of different kind of, um, you know, combinations you otherwise wouldn't see, mm-hmm. which are really good. Yeah, it, it's inter- it's um, noteworthy. So the, the way that they handle magic, um, the actual the mainline Lone Wolf games do something very similar. And it's just it's very different than how we, you know, than sorcery. Mm-hmm. But um, the way that the, the Lone Wolf games usually do it, you play as this Kai master. So you have these different uh, kind of psychic powers mm-hmm. and they're all narrative based as well. Um, but is this one where you can you assign yourself five of seven mm-hmm. in this? Because this one in uh, Lone Wolf, you have I feel like um, you choose five of like 12 or something like that wow. in the main line. And you're supposed to get more as you continue your character. Um, if you start the second book, you get a new one mm-hmm. and stuff. Um, yeah. And these are like um, like telekinesis and, uh, uh, you know, uh, danger sense um, and then a lot of ranger type things like yeah. camouflage and tracking and stuff. So like. In the uh, the actual mainline Lone Wolf books, um, you are a the last of the Kai lords, who are these kind of monks, mm-hmm. and uh, you again, it's a really tra- like a travel narrative, like you trying to get to the uh, the king, to, uh, to to warn him of this threat from these uh, these essentially these kind of like sky goblin <laughs> things, like these uh, this undead lord and his various uh, you know different goblinoid creatures. But it plays very much the same way 
as this does, since they're both in the same engine, mm -hmm. so to speak. Um, and the Graystar is a spinoff, so it came a little bit later. I think it's a little bit more sophisticated. Mm -hmm. um, there is a, like kind of a nod to psychic combat in the uh, the Lone Wolf books, but it's just done through stats. Like yeah. if you have the psychic attack power, you can add your combat skill. Yeah. If you have the psychic defense power, you can add your defense mm -hmm. in this. So in the mainline Lone Wolf books, uh, do, do you have to kind of like reference this results table? Um, yes. Okay. Yeah. Um, on the inside of the combat table, which is at first, like when I started playing this again, I was like, oh, that's really clunky. And then realized that like this was the way that even tabletop RPGs were done yeah. for a really long time. Mm -hmm. Like uh, the Call of Cthulhu Chaosium game has one of these. Like you, you reference a, a table like that was a bit and early D&D &D was that too. Like that was that was a thing for a very long time. Like we only kind of got it's a relatively modern innovation to have this kind of easy to calculate <laughs> on the fly Thacko thing. Like it's weird to call Thacko intuitive, <laughs> but it is slightly more intuitive than having to reference a chart. You know, Thacko is wacko if you're a teen. Um, it is true. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, it, ended, it ended up working. Um, the crazy randomization methods that they put into some of these games. Mm -hmm. um, this one it tell it gives you a it gives you a uh, a chart like a grid of numbers uh, from one to zero, uh, representing ten, and uh, says okay move close your eyes and move your finger whatever your finger lands on is what you roll. Yeah. Instead, I just grabbed a ten sided die because I'm a gentleman, and, yeah. <laughs> and I use that. Yeah, that is um, when I was playing through it. Since I was playing this in in uh, in bed a lot of times, because um, yeah, ladies, um, <laughs> I was playing uh, this lone wolf game in bed. Um, the uh, I was I was using uh, using the chart. When I was young, I used a ten sided die mm -hmm. to get my my one through ten randomization. I I, um, too, I, I too played this in bed. I have my notes over on the other side, like on a, on a hardcover book, and uh, I would roll the dice on my nightstand. <laughs> I was wondering, see, part of the, when I was young, I used the die. As an adult, I was wondering, I didn't want to, like, actually run the analysis on the random number table I. to yeah. see if it was weighted mm -hmm. in any way. Um, because the, you also use the random number table for, like, luck-based things, too. Yeah. Like, things will happen where, like, in this, there's a part where um, you actually run into a wizard, which is, I was hoping it was going to be Graystar, but it's not. Um, you run into a wizard and you save him from some of these uh, Shraktis or whatever the name is for Goblin in uh, in this world. And uh, you throw a rock at one of their heads and it's random whether you hit. So you do yeah. a random number. And uh, if it's, like, one, two, or three, you miss. And if it's four through ten, you hit. Hmm. Um, which is kind of neat. Yeah. But, yeah, I, I think that the the Lone Wolf books stand up pretty well as a system. Um, like I think that the, the combat engine goes by quick enough and it is balanced. Like yeah. getting through this was, was fun and, and felt good. Yeah. You know, and, uh, you know, they're kind of more narrative focused than some of the other, the other ones that I've played. Like there, there are long stretches of, of, you know, just not exposition, but kind of like showing things happening as mm -hmm. opposed to every second step being here's a beggar, you know, <laughs> do you decide to help right. them? You know, it turns out they're a goblin. They're going to kill you. Like this, this kind of w had a story it wanted to carry you through, and they were very conscientious about where it, where it branched, and how they signposted what would happen in different places. Yeah, it's very rare that you just kind of die. Um, here, there's one encounter in Flight from the Dark, the first Lone Wolf book, that felt really unfair to me, mm -hmm. um, where there is this kind of undead lord thing. You see a guy with a raven on his shoulder, standing with his back to you in the middle of a path, mm -hmm. um, wearing a cloak which is great. And uh, if you can, you saw the Raven earlier. If you could talk to animals, you know what it is. Mm -hmm. When you get to him, if you, uh, if you approach him, you can get into a fight. If you start fighting him, you can get into a fight. But if you wait to see what he does, he kills you instantly, hmm. which is a bummer. Cause he's actually a, like a 
demon lord of some kind. Yeah. Sorry, I'm not remembering the names. Um, but the uh, that felt really arbitrary to me because it didn't seem that different than like walking up to him, like he'd still be able to kill me. Mm-hmm. Um, but other than that one encounter, I didn't have anything that felt unfair. Yeah. And this. There was an encounter that was really good in, uh, in Grey Star where, uh, so you have these two characters that you're bringing along with you. There's Sean, who is a, uh, who's like a, an old merchant guy. And then there's Tanith, who's this witch who was working for the enemy who defected to help you. Right. Mm-hmm. And, um, uh, the, you know, the master of, of, you know, Tanith's master, former master, uh, sends this kind of soul devourer after you. Um, and the fight against the soul master, it is, it is, um, uh, drastically weighted against you. Like, you know, every round he drains a certain amount of just like every stat mm. and, um, it's not, you know, determine if you win, it is, you know, roll to see how many, like you, you, you play out a certain number of rounds of combat. It says, if you survive three rounds, then you can proceed. And that is like enough time for Tanith to sacrifice herself, um, mm. on like your bonfire in order to banish this thing. That's really cool. Like the idea of this being a fight you just have to survive. Yeah. Like like the idea of them kind of messing with these um, seemingly limited mechanics is very cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the world of this kind of is it's a little bit soulsy as well because like as you are proceeding towards again like this you know big evil town that begins the the the, the, the second uh, entry in the series, um, you're going through like poison bogs and. Mm-hmm. plants that are coming after you uh you fight you 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 run into a, a den of like praying mantis monsters uh um, that's great uh like they're they're these uh like wide canyons that are filled with like uh craggy rock pillars that are like sticking up like fingers and there are these poisonous flying frogs that are like using that as cover yeah like, it's a really very hostile worlds yeah 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 um Tell me about uh, tell me about City of Thieves. Yeah, so City of Thieves. This is uh, this is kind of the pure fighting fantasy uh, version of it. I think I picked it up just because this is a name that pops up every once in a while, um, mm-hmm. in terms of like being the the, the er example of what fighting fantasy did. Um, kind of a basic narrative here. You know, you are trying to defeat this evil lich king named Zanbar Bone. And the, the 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 one wizard who can help you is uh, is in this you know city. his last name is Bone yes Zanbar Bone that's great <laughs> yep. you know that I I have family with the last name Bone nice I wonder if it's from the of the bone of the Shavanaugh bones <laughs> yeah, of the uh, of the Connecticut bones yes. yeah. Huh. <laughs> yeah um and so and so you're going into this uh into this you know den of iniquity this moss Isley, this uh, this city of thieves in order to uh, find this wizard. And uh, and uh, figure out how to defeat this guy. So it's a it's a book in two parts, um, and it's incredibly difficult. So when I allude to like, oh, you you, you never know if any given encounter is just going to kill you. Um, it seems like every step in this is something that is saying, okay, are you going to take a risk on this or not? And the risk is almost always something that really punishes you. Think they think like Shadowgate taken to the mm. nth degree. Okay. Um, and, you know, to the point where it's, uh, again, it's more tedious than it is fun. And so you're navigating the city, and there's a sense of it being nonlinear, right? You find the wizard right away, and he gives you a shopping list of kind of things that you need in order to, in order to kill this lich. Um, and it says, like, okay, go around the city and try and, try and find all these items. Um, but the thing is, after a certain number of turns or, you know, different paths, eventually the guards will chase you out of the city and they're like oh if you if you don't have this stuff by the time that happens then you're you're fucked like you can't hmm. you can't get it so it is very much depending on um a level of kind of tenacity and note taking that I didn't want to apply to it and that, this is cool this is cool right like yeah, talking like <laughs> there's note taking that you didn't want to apply to this yeah guys. 
<laughs> yep. Um, like like graph paper saying, okay, this beggar may or may not have this, and there's no way to find out. Like, oh, you kill him, and it turns out he has the uh, you know, the silver arrowhead that you need to kill this guy. Like, it is hidden in very uh, in, in very non-intuitive places. Mm, that's um, a bummer. So I kind of fudged it a little bit just to see what the second half of the book was, you know, going and taking out Zambarbone, um, you know, with, with these, with these, uh, uh, reagents that you find. And, um, it really is like shadow gate. <laughs> like if you, you know, there's, there's a, there's a white door and a black door and both of them are arbitrarily bad. Uh, there is a trap that you have no way of knowing is there. Um, mm-hmm. you know, like, like, like illusions that will, uh, that'll tell you. And so like, I can appreciate the ethic that goes into this. Like, oh, somebody would just want something really difficult, but like, it was, it was very hard for me to see, to, 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 see a rhyme or reason behind it aside from just, you need to trial and error this. And then, you know, kind of use this, 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 this knowledge base that you acquire in order to make your next round as painless as possible. That, that's disappointing because I, I've started playing um, a couple of the fighting fantasy games on iOS because um, I bought them on some kind of sale because um, I like game books mm-hmm. and but never got very far. But also always had them on this list of things I was going to go back mm-hmm. and spend more time on. Um, but it's disappointing to hear that they're kind of a bummer. Yeah, so. I, uh, I I played a little bit of, uh, of, of a fighting fantasy uh, app called Death Trap Dungeon. Um, yeah. And uh, it, it is straight up that ethic just completely boiled down and distilled. Okay. Uh, it's nuts. <laughs> that sucks. Yeah. So that's unfortunate. There's a place for it and I, I, I see where it fits. It's just not not something that's for me. Yeah. Um the other kind of real gamey thing that I, I played for this um were a couple of the D and D one on one things. Mm-hmm. Um so the first uh solo module is called Ghost of Lion Castle. And it's in basic, so I fudged a lot of the stuff. <laughs> and it's not very good. Um it's weird. So D&D, these kind of game system solo adventures, they work fine as choose-your-own-adventure mm-hmm. things, but they kind of fail what makes D&D good, right? Because, like, you are on railroads mm-hmm. quite literally, and, like, if part of playing a role-playing game is about this problem-solving, yeah. there's none of that in a choose-your-own-adventure, you know, like, or very little of it. Like, you yeah. are you are restricted in what you can do. You can't improvise. You can't yeah, exactly. You can't improvise at all. Even down to like, um, they usually have pre-gen characters, but this one it says you know you can play any character that's this level, but they can only have the following spells. Oh, um, because they worked, you know, or the, these are the the magical items that you can have because they work them into the branching paths. Yeah. Um. So it's kind of cool, and like I I like the idea of playing D and D by myself. Mm-hmm. Um. You know, ladies, but the. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the, it is uh they don't really work very well as D experiences um this was that was the first module one i think the very first D licensed thing that was a choose your own adventure was in dungeon magazine hmm. um and i have a I, you know a long time ago downloaded a complete torrent of uh, dungeon magazine which if i could buy them i would yeah. uh but i couldn't so i didn't um but check this out so this is this is the Ginny's ring <laughs> is this guy who wrote it let me read you this intro oh for this guy Vince Garcia's 20-year dream of salvaging the Titanic was recently crushed. Nevertheless, he continues to send in module proposals and is a frequent contributor to Dragon Magazine. Vince is, a, is designing the Thief, Assassin, and Merchant Guilds for the Living City and Polyhedron, the magazine for Role-Playing Game Association Network. Here we go. In his spare time, Vince's main interest in life are Stevie Nicks, Jan and Dean, and Victoria Principal. So, I, I know the first one, Stevie Nicks. What is Jan and Dean? Jan and Dean is your parents shitty version of the beach boys. Oh, 
it's like it's like two it's like two christian teens <laughs> who kind of do harmony songs about surfing <laughs> um and what was so, the third one what was the third one uh what is it marlene principal huh. i lost the page because i was looking through the uh trying to find some of the awesome illustrations <laughs> in this because that is the the one thing that is miraculous about every old episode of dungeon yeah all this year of dungeon i i hate to i hate to recommend people download any torrent but <laughs> download this torrent um uh victoria principal victoria principal yeah who's victoria principal let's find out it shows up on imdb um oh, it's she's from old, dallas yeah it's the old lady from dallas <laughs> cool yeah i guess she wasn't old in dallas well, well no she was but this guy loves dan and dean uh victoria principal and stevie nicks good, good for him and dungeons <laughs> yep. so, and dragons and dragons um but th so these are because it, they don't work very well as D, &D experiences like they're mm -hmm. fine choose your own adventures they also tend to be a little bit too punishing i think yeah um similar to fighting fantasy like if without having the human element and the interaction like there's no way to fudge things so like if you hit a trap you take 1d4 damage mm -hmm. that happens a few times you get a couple fours like that's pretty much it for you yeah whereas a good dm would fudge that yeah because everybody wants to keep playing the game exactly yeah. so this doesn't have that even though like if somebody had gifted me a complete collection of solo dnd books when mm -hmm. i was like 13 uh -huh. like good night like that's that would have been <laughs> That would have been a, like a, an amazing summer for me. Mm -hmm. um, but as an adult, like they're not so cool to look back on. Yeah. And the, I've only did the D&D &D ones, these two D&D &D ones. I didn't do any of the Tunnels and Trolls ones because I don't know that system. Is there is there any kind of story like associated with D&D yeah. &D ones? Okay. There's not a branching story, though. You don't bring the same characters through and do a campaign. Yeah. Um, they do have, they're kind of like, these two were kind of, uh, well, one of them, the, uh, the, the Ghost Mountain or whatever, was, is like a dungeon crawl or Lion Castle, the ghost of Lion Castle, mm -hmm. um, is a dungeon crawl. The uh, the Ginny's Ring does have a little bit, like you're like an elfish scamp thief <laughs> who's helping out a wizard. So there's a little bit of like a micro narrative to it. Yeah. But they do tend to kind of be like dungeon crawls. Yeah. Which it, is, I think is fine if it mechanically supports it. Like I like a good dungeon crawl, but because again, because of that lack of a human element, I think they kind of shoot themselves in the foot. Yeah, so that uh, like it seems like there's that tension there between how mechanically focused do we want this to be and how how narratively focused. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not surprised I came down on the on the side of narrative. I don't know anybody who would be surprised. Yeah, and <laughs> and I probably do with these too. Like I like a you know I can sit down with people and play a super combat heavy RPG oh, because yeah. you're goofing around with people mm -hmm. and it's fun. But like by myself, that sounds less fun. Yeah. So. Huh. Mm-hmm. Do we want to break into CYOAs? Yeah. yeah. And and this is, so Cole's talking mostly about CYOAs. I'm going to talk about a lot of, like, we're still going to ping pong, but I'm going to talk about some weird offshoot books. Cool. That I have as well. So Yeah. So Gary was kind enough to send me, he sent me the uh, the Grey Star of the Wizard, uh, which for some reason I always parse as Grey Star the Wizard, as though Star was a uh, verb, like Star Me Kitten, the uh, <laughs> R.E.M. song. Yeah, the, yeah, the uh, um, the, oh, no, that isn't the one with that isn't specifically the one with William Espero singing right from the X-Files soundtrack. It's always called Star Me Kitten. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> but he uh, sent me that and he sent me two of the uh, the, the, the kind of classic Bantam um, uh, uh, Choose Your Own Adventures. Uh, Going to start with the Cave of Time or sorry, Return to the Cave of Time. So num yeah. number one was the Cave of Time. Number 50 of like kind of their last intended run of that series was uh, mm -hmm. Return to the Cave of Time. And so this is super cool. 
I like this a lot. It doesn't have kind of the consistency of the of the next one I'm going to talk about, the Dragon's Den. Uh, but uh, but this is uh, kind of a it's a time travel story, which is mm-hmm. which is pretty fun, especially in kids in kids literature. And you have a choice between either going into the future or going into the past. And uh, this is something that is really cool when choose your, choose your own adventure books do uh, do it, which is having kind of like two mainline narratives that mm-hmm. you can go to and uh, making them drastically different, different depending on the kind of this early choice that you make. So it's kind of an exercise in like how many kind of cool stories in different time periods can we fit into this and have right. them, have them be unified by this cave that sends pe- you know, that sends people, you know, kind of like randomly between them. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're this kid who's coming back. You are uh, somebody who survived your first encounter with it. And you're like, yeah, I'm going to do it again. Um, and, uh, if you go into the future, you find a desolated earth, uh, that's, uh, it's like, oh no, our, our, my, my home is gone, but hu- uh, human civilization has advanced to the point where we are super beings that live for millions of years and everybody has their own like dominion over a planet. So it's oh, basically, so it's basically the, 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 uh, 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 version of Mormonism. That's kind of crazy. <laughs> It's the Mormon yeah. afterlife. Yeah, where everyone gets their own planet. Yeah. yeah. So, so that's like the best ending of the future path. The worst ending of the future path is you, uh, you somehow break the cave of time, um, and you come back to your own to 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 your own period of time, but you are permanently five minutes ahead of everybody else. That's weird. So you do something, and then everybody around you doesn't see that it happened until five minutes later. Ugh. And there's a there's a way that you can solve this. It, it asks, okay, do you want to risk crossing a street because you see where these things are going to be, but you don't know when the version of you that actually can be killed is um, is is going to be hit by a car. And mm-hmm. so if you take that risk, you get back into the cave of time. If you don't, you are this oddity that is kept, you know, like in this Billy Pilgrim esque stasis almost, and you can only communicate with a with a with a chalkboard. That's because, crazy. Because if you say something, nobody can nobody can hear you until you say it. So it's like this like this weird like seventies acid sci fi uh, kind yeah. of thing popped into this kid book that is like existentially horrifying. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, I love that. That's super super good. The um, it's it's funny too because the the ones of these I sent Cole, um, it wasn't just out of the kindness of my heart. They were all things I had doubles of. Oh. Uh, because when you just go to a thrift store and just pick up things when you see them, like I don't remember every <laughs> Choose Your Own Adventure book I have. Um, the mainline actual Choose Your Own Adventure book that I read uh, for this was Hyperspace, um, which is again it kind of has this weird element of you know greater pathos even though it's a little goofier mm-hmm. um or like not greater pathos just high concept sci-fi yeah um stuff uh so you have a neighbor who is a mad scientist as mm-hmm. is often the case in these yeah. things and uh you go over there and he has a a machine that can merge dimensions like the idea of this multiverse where things are very subtly different um the weird twist though is when he does it you think that he has brought um another version of you comes through and you think that he's brought you from another dimension but from talking to the the professor you realize you can't actually be sure that another professor in another timeline simultaneously sent you brought you over which turns out to be the case so like you were not you didn't bring anything over you were sent over by another scientist into a world that's exactly like your own except the sky is green okay and there's another version of you (laughs) um which instead of like 
your heads exploding or, you know, them instantly trying to kill each other or something like that. Mm-hmm. The uh, You just become best friends with this person <laughs> and it glosses over it like in a really, really fast way. Okay. Where like, uh, it's just like, you know, your double's parents got used to the idea of having twins really fast <laughs> and you had a great time with your double. <laughs> like, and it just, and then you get to the, because one of the things about it, reading a lot of choose your own adventure books that I've kind of gotten into this idea of like, when I get to an ending, that's the ending okay. and I'll pick it up another time. But the idea of like, that, that's what that story was for me uh-huh. and then putting it away. So this was the ending I got and I didn't, uh, didn't go back and do more. <laughs> um, so I was, uh, the scientist in this alternate world comes over and says, Hey, the worlds are gonna be close enough to send you back, uh, for just a couple minutes, come over. And you start talking to yourself about it. And you're like, I don't know. What should I do? And yourself says, I don't know. What would you do? And then you just argue about it for five minutes because you're the same person. And you can't go back. You don't go back to your home time and live a wonderful life as this guy's twin. Like this guy all of a sudden at like seven years old acquired yeah. a twin. It's him from another dimension. Like there, there is – these things do go deeper than you might think. Yeah. Like – um, and it's just like that, that. What a cool little short story that is. Uh huh. That's right. that's great. So, so, so is that just kind of like one of the branches that this can take, or is it? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. If if you decide to do, um, it's even the scientist. It's really funny because he's like, I never thought that it would be. I've worked my whole life on this, but it's too dangerous. And then you're like, you should do it. And he goes, You're right. I should seize the day. And then that. <laughs> but I think if you dissuade him from doing it, something else happens. Right. Um. You know, it happens through an accident or something. But like, all it takes is a gentle push. <laughs> um so pretty cool yeah oh that's pretty great this so i'm I'm gonna spend just a little bit of time on the other uh cya that you sent me the uh the Mm -hmm. dragon's den uh this is kind of like apparently uh you know for the first let's say four-fifths of this uh a very basic like oh there's a dragon who has some treasure that you're going to find um However, you eventually find out that the dragons are kind of this decoy and this this evil lord is actually a time traveler from the future who has all of this who has all of this uh, kind of modern technology that is using to like rule over this fiefdom. Okay. Yeah. That's awesome. I know, who, right? Who are these geniuses who are writing choose your own adventure books in the nineties? <laughs> so good. Yeah, these are really great. These are awesome, like just like like it should be noted that none of these are like great well super well written i mean they're aimed at kids they're they're aimed at exactly like they're you know it's a fourth grade level kind of thing but like the premises are out of this world Uh uh-huh these premises are great yeah but like so so like the 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 wizard is somebody who says ah yes we 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 should not have these yet but we do and it's these very basic medieval uh kind of descriptions of modern technology so it's so it's a room that has these that has these symbols that you touch to make it move up and down that's crazy. It's an elevator. And like, yeah, that's awesome. You know, his fully appointed modern apartment that is in this tower that, uh, you know, just like has these has these outsider descriptions of this of this technology. They're like, oh, that's a telephone. That's a television. You know, all that kind of stuff. I mean, yeah, that's kind of standard sci fi fantasy crossover kind of things like, you know, that pops up every once in a while. But I was really surprised to see that happen. And what otherwise would have been just like the the, the, the most like Markov chain generated uh, fantasy premise you could find. Yeah. Um yeah, that that's awesome. And this was great because it like it, it has persistence. You can end up in a in a in a in a failure state that informs that it says like, "Oh, this is where you need to be, but you don't have this thing yet." Or mm-hmm. you need to be here, but you need to have this person with you. Like you can suss that out and so you're kind of running through the same small handful of situations, but based on the choices that you made, you may or may not have what you need in order to succeed past them. That's super cool. Yeah. Super super cool. Mhm. 
Tell me yeah. about some of the weird like offshoot ones. Yeah, I will. Um, so Nintendo put out a series of these featuring the Super Mario Brothers. Um, I've got three of them. <laughs> and uh, the one I did for this is Monster Mix-Up, um, which like there's really not. I mean, this might surprise you. There's not that much to the story of any of these things. To give you an idea, the cover is Bowser approaching Mario on a ship, and the front of the ship are two uh, mixers, like uh, cake mixers. Oh, okay. So not like a party where you're just trying to meet new people? No, no, just like cake mixers. (laughs) How would you put one of those Um, on the front of a ship, Cole? Well, if it was on a cruise. (laughs) Well, exactly. That's exactly why you put one on the front. Um, The... uh, and essentially, it's a lot like the old Super Show. Yeah. You know, like, Bowser's got this device. You have to stop him because he's got this monster mixer but, that creates monsters. But, like, what kind of choices are you making? It's really, really weird. Like, it is... Like, some of them are just, like, literally, like, do you engage the Goomba or do you not? Um, and then some of them are more traditional. Hmm. Um, but it gets kind of takes this weird curve where he starts using the monster mix up to like mix up mushroom kingdom Royals. It's got that whole like Mario extended universe oh, yeah. weirdness. Um, are the, are so the thing- blocks monsters who have been, or people who've been turned into bricks and stuff. No, I, I wish it yeah. was the, uh, it's like more like toads. Yeah. Um, but the kind of innovation to these Nintendo ones, um, is that they have games in them. Hmm. So like, you'll get to a thing and there'll be a maze. And, like, the maze will say, like, um, you know, make your way through the maze without lifting your pencil off the paper. If you pass by five stars, go to this page. If you pass by four stars, go to this page. If you pass by three. So it rates how well you do at the maze, and that has an outcome. Mm -hmm. There are riddles. Um, There are, like, little match games and stuff. Like, it's like an activity book. Yeah. With, you know, uh, with choose-your-own-adventure elements. And you're... Performance on the activity determines what page you go to most times. Hmm. Um, it is written for an oh, even younger audience, mm-hmm. clearly, to where I actually found it kind of hard to read. Yeah. Um, like, it is it is annoying and boring. Yeah. Um, how, how poorly written it is. Um, but it is interesting, and it has that game innovation. Yeah. Like, adding an activity book on top. That's something we haven't addressed yet. Like, by, ne- by definition, a lot of these books are ones that you destroy as you, as you read them. Yeah, I had a in my Lone Wolf book, there was a character sheet that somebody um, took and I erased it. Mm-hmm. And then I noticed there was a second character sheet after it. And I felt really bad oh. for whoever that first person was I bought this book from who I erased their guy. Yeah. <laughs> I needed to do that. Yeah, like all of these have like writing and stuff in them. Like uh, just yeah. you, you can, you know, any of the secondhand ones, you're getting like a, a little taste of that person's experience. Exactly. Well, and that's why you should, again, I do this anyway, but always buy old D&D books because sometimes you'll find character sheets <laughs> in between the pages. And that's the best. Yeah. Um, the uh, they're On that website, that game book website I'll put in the show notes that we referenced um, a little bit earlier and we referenced on Facebook, um, there's a bunch of play aids. So if you want to actually print out character sheets and stuff like that so you don't fuck up your book. Yeah. That's a good reference, a uh, good uh, resource for that. I just made my own my, my own in Excel. <laughs> yeah. 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 Which is a way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I, I wish I knew about those because like the Graystar one that you can print out is much better than the one I made. Yeah. But uh, yeah. such is life. Let's um let's save uh, Welcome to the Wicked Wax Museum for the end where we can both talk about it. Yes. Because we because we both played that one. Yeah. So, so tell me about the, uh, the escape from the Carnival of Horrors. Yeah. So um, I will admit I kind of went into a nostalgia hole on these Goosebumps <laughs> ones um, just because this was my first real foray into them. And like when I was on Amazon, uh, just kind of do, like doing some uh, doing some dives on it, I realized, oh, these are all like three dollars and mm-hmm. I recognize a bunch of them. 
Um, so I, I kind of did more of them than I needed to, but it was a very delightful experience uh, to kind of indulge that nostalgia. So Escape from the Carnival of Horrors, um, it's the first of these, you know, kind of choose your own adventures, goosebumps ones. Um, and it does some stuff that like later ones kind of do, um, but they eventually like lose that in favor of kind of presenting a more straight up choose your own, choose your own adventure kind of experience. Um, specifically, you're going into this carnival, which I think has appeared in some other Goosebumps books, and occasionally it will quiz you on mm. like trivia. So like there's a there's an instance if you go to the rides side of the park and there are kind of like two narratives rides or the midway like the games. Um, if you go to mm-hmm. the rides, um, you 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 end up at the top of this uh, you know gigantic crazy slide, and it says, oh, one of these is the Doom slide, you know, the slide that goes forever. Mm. <laughs> All right. That's evocative. Yeah, but it's a but it's a it's it's a number, and so you have to say, oh, okay, which number was the doom slide in this book that you that you know that that, that you read? And like oh. the, the the premise is that since the character is you, the character in the in the story is somebody who's read a bunch of Goosebumps, and so like you have to either take a guess or remember, like, oh, it was slide number four, and if you end up on the doom slide, oh, that's your ending. You're on this forever. It's it's like um the seen it. Scenes. Like those games where like you, it's like a board game, DVD board game where like it'll show oh, you a scene yeah. and then be like, what color was the mailbox? <laughs> and that scene, like this is like you're reading the book and it's just like, what was this little throwaway detail uh-huh. that you read? Yeah. Oh. Um, and and it also has like a game kind of stuff in there, either uh, like mazes and, and, and things like it is. It is aimed at a, at a younger audience than, uh, mm-hmm. than than even just kind of like the mainline CYOAs. Um, but uh, but yeah, you're just kind of in this crazy uh, carnival. Uh, trying to get away from the guy who's running it. And there are a bunch of kind of outlandish scenes. Uh, something this series uh, does that I don't really appreciate is like the choices are relatively arbitrary. Like mm-hmm. you will, it'll give you a choice. Do you want to do X or Y? Um, and both of them are like walking into the same place, but for like in a different way. Mm-hmm. Um, if you choose X, you proceed as normal. If you if, if, if you choose Y, you are actually kind of like, oh, that was a monster all along and it's going to eat you. Yeah, it kind of betrays the idea of a persistent world state. Yes. And these things, yeah. And so the endings are really, really funny. Like, the, the, it, it is good kind of like campy tales from the crypt slash uh, are you afraid of the dark horror? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and, and a really engaging and, and kind of funny way. Uh, but, uh, but, but yeah, that is, that, that is a little bit disappointing and that spreads throughout. So you kind of have to tolerate that and be willing to play a little bit fast and loose with like, okay, I didn't do that. That was just, I'm just doing that to see the bad ending and then going back and, uh, kind of exploring it. There's a, there's, there's an awesome little sequence where you go into a hall of mirrors and, um, instead of giving you an ending, the, uh, it puts you into a loop. That's that's wonderful. Yeah. So so so, so kind of like at the beginning of the episode, it says, uh, go, you know, go to page five, and then at uh, page five it says, okay, go to sixty six, then go to five again, and then just like you just have to like, okay, yep, that's what happens. And that's that is delightful. A, that is a wonderful intersection of the yeah. of of the mechanics of this book and the story. Yeah, that's well, that's great. Yeah. Um, I, I we will we'll talk about the the Goosebumps books we both read because I'm going to talk about some shit about some bad ones um, here. <laughs> yeah. Just because I I have a lot of them. So like, um. I've got a couple of them that are just boring. Mm-hmm. Um, so Choice Adventures um, is a series of uh, books that lets you cho- choose what happens next. Um, <laughs> the only reason why I like this one is because the title is The Overnight Ordeal, <laughs> which sounds really <laughs> bland and, and great. It just sounds like a bad party or something. <laughs> it's, like, it, it's, it sounds like one of the one of the less inspired boxcar kids. Yeah, exactly. Like The Overnight Ordeal. Oh, well. Um, the clue well, of the clock. 
Yeah, ex- exactly. Um, that was really boring, but it's like kid detectives, and it's part of like a series. Mm-hmm. Um, there's there's the ringers are these kid detectives in that. So I'm not going to talk very much about that one. Um, and I'm kind of doing two of these for Cole's one because I'm parsing these out sort of back and forth. Mm-hmm. Um, another one I want to talk about is the Serial Box Adventures um, from the Making Choices series. And this is amazing because uh, I read this one, and again, I'm just trying to do one ending. You get up and you choose to eat, eat breakfast or not. You're running late for class. You have a report due. It's all pretty standard, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I stay, I skip school, do my report, go to school late, turn in my report. I'm going to get in trouble because I'm late, but my report was so good that I get a good grade at the end. <laughs> <laughs> like that is, that is the super fun adventure I got into in this book. And like, I'm flipping through it and seeing all these illustrations of like bank robbers and like a, a school bus teetering on the edge of like a cliff. <laughs> you made the responsible, sensible choice. Yeah, well, I didn't think I was. There's a, there's a section of fucking space. Like, I'm flipping through it. It's like all stuff in school. And then there's a rocket and stuff. But just by, like, I was just like, well, I'll stay home, do my report, go into school. And my report was so good. It was on uh, American Indians. And it was so good that I didn't get in trouble. It's, the end. it's literally that joke from Futurama where they see the, uh, the choose your own adventure of all my circuits. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. If you want to see Calculon uh, fight a laser battle at the fireworks factory, press one. If you want to see him finish his paperwork, press two. <laughs> it's it's really amazing. Yeah. Like, uh, I, I was pretty, pretty surprised by this <laughs> shit heap. That's, <laughs> that's great. Yeah, it was very funny, though. So between those two, at least I have nice, nice uh, shelf candy uh, going on. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'll do another goosebumps one here. Yeah, tell tell me about uh Scream of the Evil Genie. Scream this this one's pretty good. Um so you uh you find a, a genie in a uh in a in a pop can um in your fridge and uh, it's this punk girl named Jenna, Jenna the Genie, who uh, uh uh you know asks you, "Hey, what do you wish for as long as it doesn't hurt anybody?" And uh you know, she's just, you know, got spiky hair or whatever. Uh I was a little kid when I read this, but uh it is like I have a distinct memory. This is Cole oversharing of this being the first uh, one of the first instances of like, oh, that is an appealing description of a of of a of a lady. Yeah. <laughs> It was, yeah, like, it was like your first uh, celebrity crush. Uh, yes, Jenna the Genie. <laughs> yeah, I was like, oh, like, yeah, that, that seems like somebody I was like, oh, she seems dangerous. Yeah. Um, but it, you, you could do worse, man. Like, because, like, I, I remember as somebody who shamefully read all the Xanth books when I was a kid, <laughs> like, those things are sexist nightmares. And, like, there's a, there's a scene in the first one where the main character straight up fingers um another girl through like a, oh, uh, no. a great while they're in prison <laughs> um and this i, I like i'm the real quick tangent i'm sorry to interrupt you fine no because i can't remember if we've ever talked about xanth books and i don't like these things now i don't defend them now so there's mm-hmm. no but the character who you're straight up fingering tell tell try this on for some sexist subtext okay everyone in this world has a magic power her magic power is most of the month she's very beautiful and nice but dumb but then for a short period during the month, she turns, she becomes super smart, but super mean and ugly. Oh, man. Oh, man. <laughs> yup. Whoa. And then, and then, and there's, it's all kinds of things about like when, you know, so you take this opportunity to uh, like finger bang her through these uh, jail cells uh, when she's in, you know, dumb pretty mode. And then she turns into smart mode and helps you escape the jail. <laughs> And like, as a kid, I had no idea that anything was like, this is why you need to teach your sons to be feminist. Like, (laughs) as a a kid, I had no idea why that would be a problem at all. Right. Like whatsoever. Wow. Uh, That is, that is super poisonous because like, if you had no conception of what 
menstruation was. Yeah. You know, like, wow, that, 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 that is planting the stereotype before the fact. And it's planting it in a way that Gary was going to jerk off to. <laughs> like, yeah. It's planting it deep within my dick. <laughs> like, this was an association I had, you know, as like a, a, an 11 year old boy mm -hmm. with all of my most erotic, you know, yeah. uh, escapades. Uh huh. Like, it, it was, it was, it was damaging. Wow. So, that's... fuck you, Piers Anthony. <laughs> Like, I mean, like, so, so that, like, my, my equivalent of that would be, uh, would be the Dragon Riders of Pern series. Oh, sure. Which, if you go back to it, straight up advocates, like, sometimes women enjoy rape. Oh, jeez. And also that uh, if if, it, if if anything happens to a dude's butt, he turns gay. <laughs> How does that come up with the Dragon Riders of Pern? Oh, it comes up. <laughs> <laughs> So, so like I have, I have, you know, tremendously fond memories like of, of, of reading these books and there's still one that I consider to be one of my favorite books of all time. Um, and, uh, and, and yeah, like it is, it is impossible to defend some of the stuff that happens early in that series. I hope, uh, whoever, which one of our Patreon backers, like six months down the road gets this show notes that I'm writing mm -hmm. where they get the show notes that has dragon riders of Pern butt stuff. Hopefully you appreciate that <laughs> and how I'm going to have to Google that later. So, <laughs> that stays with you forever. Yeah. And anyway, so scream of the evil genie. Sorry scream, to go on scream that. Of the evil genie. Yeah. Uh, so this is, this is a pretty standard, um, be careful what you wish for, uh, kind mm -hmm. of thing. Um, it's a little bit unsatisfying because in some continuities, Jenna is like an evil monster who is tricking you. Mm -hmm. Um, and in others, she is, well-intentioned just wants to turn into a regular person again but is kind of like stuck to genie law uh to kind mm -hmm. of issue the most ironic outcome from these so like there's one path that you can take that she like exiles you to a to to a uh um an abandoned island like a desert island and turns into a giant version of herself and tries to eat you and there's oh, another <laughs> there's another one where uh you accidentally wish for her to be your mom and uh and like that turns into like oh there's a huge party at your house and uh and uh you know you're trying to get your real mom back and that's one of the ones that turns into her like oh she's a human again after thousands of years or whatever mm. so that's a little bit unsatisfying but like the be careful what you would like you know the monkey's paw narrative is 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 really is, is you know that's a, that that's a good one right this mm -hmm. also has the uh the most positive endings uh that, that that i've seen like ways for this to end like most of the most of the goosebumps ones there's like two good ways for it to go and then a bunch of others where it's like oh yeah you're just transformed or dead forever but mm -hmm. like you can turn into like a famous baseball player if you wish to be if you wish to be famous you either turn into a a, a curling star and you have no idea what oh, curling is yeah, yeah. or you can be a famous baseball player uh you can get her to be a regular person or uh, uh an outcome that betrays a, a a very poor knowledge of how economics works if you if you wish to be rich um what mm -hmm. happens is uh the good ending is oh i wish everybody was wealthy and then there you mm. go it's like no you just created hyperinflation yeah. good job Tom. <laughs> yeah, you just you just ruined the economies of earth yep you just you just so zimbabwe'd the planet um, <laughs> Yeah. Oops, I Zimbabwe the planet. Yeah. They give yourself goosebumps novel. Yeah. Uh you can end up being tried as Zimbabwe the planet. <laughs> yep. Um uh and the in the uh Jenna is your mom path. Uh you your your actual mom is put into the can and you try and open the can and oh it turns out she uh, your your mom is five inches tall from uh for life now. No. 
So you small know, mom, yes, yeah, a tiny mom. And uh, yeah. there, there are a bunch of them where if you, if you if you end up being rich, your servants fuck you over and try and get the can for themselves. Mm. Yeah. That's uh, realistic, at least a little bit. Yeah, I mean, every, everybody's trying to get theirs, you know. Yeah. Um, but uh, the the way to fuck up the narrative at the beginning is say, "I wish I was beautiful," and um, what ends up happening is she turns into in, into a painting on a museum wall for life. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah. The uh, the one thing I know I noticed this about even the Wicked Wax Museum that we play that inconsistent narrative, like the fact that these things don't just exist in a state mm-hmm. for you to manipulate. Like it makes them fun, but it is also does rub me the wrong way a little bit. Yeah. Um. Talk in my talking shit corner. Um, so you are Spider-Man um, is a short series of Marvel based two your own adventure books. Um, I have the first one, which is uh, Spider-Man versus the Sinister Six. And like, I can dig that. I like a Spider-Man. Um, but Spider-Man has two essential elements that ruin his ability to be a two your own adventure star. Three, really. Um, one is Spider-Sense. So like Spider-Man literally knows when things are going wrong. Right. So you can't have like, go turn to this page. If you follow your spider sense, go to this page. If you don't you know, <laughs> like, of course, you, you know, you follow your spider sense. So the way to do that is to make it constantly malfunctioning right. in a way that's like really obnoxious. Like it's constantly going off and you're constantly saying, why is my spider sense going off? Mm-hmm. Um, it's because it's choose your own adventure book. Yeah. Um, and then like you'll follow your spider sense, but it'll end up getting you killed or discredited anyway. Yeah. Um, two, Mysterio. Because <laughs> uh, you're fighting the Sinister Six, so Mysterio changes what you see. So the first half of this book is this very frustrating, like, you trying to save people, but Mysterio making it look like you're fucking them up. And then everyone going on these screeds about how Spider-Man is a menace, mm-hmm. which, like, it happens in the comics, but I never knew what it would feel like when it happened to me. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, it really hit home. I was like, poor guy. <laughs> this is this is obnoxious. Okay. Fuck Mysterio. And then also at this period in the Sinister Six, there's also the chameleon who is the guy who can, like, disguise himself as anybody. So, like, you're constantly just doing things you think are good and they're they're going wrong. Oh, man. Which is what happens to Spider-Man. Right. I get it. But it doesn't make for a good choose your own adventure book. Yeah. It's really obnoxious. The uh the characterization's super shallow too. Like Mary Jane calls you Tiger literally every time she uh she talks to you. Because uh-huh. that's the one thing the person knew about Mary Jane. <laughs> and the writing is a little suspect. Check this out. So you're fighting the hobgoblin, who's pretty shitty anyway. And he says, Spider-Man, the hobgoblin cries. That's my name, and Smashing Pumpkins is my game. You answer quickly. Hey. Speaking of Smashing Pumpkins, have you heard their new CD? You ask coolly. I'll be sure to send you one in prison. You ask coolly. Yep. That was like a drill tweet. <laughs> like it's, it's exactly that. Um, so that's the kind of cool kid dialogue we're dealing with in You Are Spider-Man. Oh, man. Okay, so that's the fourth thing about Spider-Man that they get wrong or fucks yeah. up. He's like a witty fucker. Like, yeah, he's just... He's, he's smart and quick-witted like yeah he's not the worst which the, <laughs> the the spider-man is um so it's it's really weird too like the the way you end up winning it is like purposely going into this trap but pulling out at the last minute mm-hmm. you know like so earlier there's a trap and if you go into it, you just die um in this one you have to like bait it along and then pull back at the last yeah. second like it doesn't work at all yeah it's pretty bad, man. That's so. That's crazy because like you're coming into that with a lot of baggage, and it sounds like at every, at, at every step they've failed to make this an empowerment fantasy. They, they, well, like, it's, it's it's weird because it is weirdly that those are things that happen to Spider-Man. Right. It just it's it's similar to the D and D things where it's like it just makes a bad fit for a gamification. Yeah. You know. So. Huh. 
All right, tell me about this deep jungle of doom. <laughs> yep, another goosebumps. I didn't mean for this to turn into the goosebumps power hour. That's but, right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so you're a little kid on a field trip to the Amazon rainforest, which liability nightmare. <laughs> like, don't do that. <laughs> no, that's terrible. Yeah. Um, but also, this is like this is a sub King Kong uh, treatment of tribal peoples. Mm. So it's a little it's bit gross, a little bit gross in hindsight. There are two main paths. Um, you know, you, you, you veer away from your group because they're boring. Uh, you can either go into the mountains and deal with these rock monsters who have like puffy, fluffy heads that are mm -hmm. like, turns out they're covered in moss and they put you through these trials to find a bunch of stuff. And eventually if you, if you, uh, you know, get in good with them, they will, they will poison your, uh, your food with slavery powder. And uh, and then the ending is, oh, you find your your skin growing calloused and you're growing fuzz on your face. But, you know, you don't care because you're you're in their thrall. OK, again, super creepy. The cool part of this book is uh, where you eat this uh, this magical fruit that was laid out by tribal people that turns you into essentially the swamp thing or the creature from the Black Lagoon, this fish monster. Um, huh. And uh, you have to uh, you have to try to convince this other this this other classmate of yours that you are in fact you and uh, kind of just these horrific descriptions of what it is like to have your body transformed into, into this thing that can kind of speak but kind of can't mm. um, and uh, dealing with everybody you know treating you like what you are a fish monster and trying to figure out how to you know trick this tribe into into transforming you back hmm. yeah That's so. Cool. Like really divergent kind of things, and like this has one of the like the, this is the ending from the books that stuck with me most. When you're running away from this uh, from this uh, uh, you know danger or whatever that is out there in the forest, if you opt to, to jump into the water, the transformation is completed. Okay, huh. and when you try mm -hmm. and get out, it's like oh you struggle to breathe and you can't, and you live out the rest of your life as this legendary Amazonian fish monster, like you know swimming around and you know terrorizing people and you know all of that and like coming to accept it. It's super bleak. That is very bleak, but pretty cool. Like yeah. that's a good non-standard game over. Uh huh. The uh, yeah, very cool. Mm -hmm. um, the last two I'm going to mention real quick before we get before we're over. Um, so I have a bunch, and I have a bunch more than this, but they're just like, you know choice your own fun times and they're just <laughs> they're just normal um i have a bunch of the D, &D branded ones hmm. um and they essentially just kind of take some trappings from D, D. so they're like choose your own adventure books where like the word magic missile is mentioned mm -hmm. um but they're noteworthy by it for having very long stretches of text hmm. like um these are very kind of like you know these are fantasy novels with fewer choices than maybe you would ordinarily have um and the two of them i've read are pretty good um raid on nightmare castle and uh boy what is it uh uh pillars of pen pen pentagon <laughs> the pillars of pentagon so somebody made that up on the spot yeah it's very much so um and so th those are both pretty good um and then i also want to talk about the way of the tiger okay. uh, series um this is another uh game book you know series that's not choose your own adventure that has uh, mechanics and the noteworthy thing about this i only have the second one assassin um but you play a ninja and you have a kind of your your powers the same way you would in a lone wolf. Um, the kind of interesting thing is it has a kind of a robust fighting system oh. where you have different moves. So like you can your punch is your basic move, but you can do a kick, which is like less likely to hit but does more damage. And you have throws which don't do any damage but set you up to do more damage on your second attack. Oh, that's great. Yeah, it's really interesting. And it's all just done through the table. Like, it's all just done through numbers. So, like, at any given point, you have access to doing all of them. Huh. Um, unless, like, your hands are tired or something like that, which I think happens. 
mm-hmm. in the uh, in the book, if I remember. I haven't read it in a long time. Yeah. Um, but uh, it's really cool. Like having like adding a little bit of complexity to that system is is a pretty neat idea. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And like the the story, I don't remember very much about. Like it's a ninja story. Like yeah. it's not super well written. It's just kind of got a cool engine. Probably some kind of revenge plot. Yeah. Yeah. If I had to guess, and that sounds that sounds really good, and that 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 sounds like the inverse or the opposite of of Spider Man, where the mechanics fit the narrative, yeah, fit what they're trying to do, yeah, yeah. yeah. So agreed. Mm-hmm. So yeah, the Wicked Wax Museum, the one that I sent to you and then also ordered for myself. Yeah, this is great. Um, <laughs> you you definitely got some stuff. Looking at the notes, you definitely did some stuff I didn't do. Hmm. Um, in here again because I'm just kind of like I said, I, I try to find a canon ending. Like if I die right away, I'll go back. But yeah. if I get to an ending that's satisfying, that's my ending for the game. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> but excuse me, this is the uh, the uh, old trope of the wax museum mm-hmm. with a dark secret, <laughs> and uh, you know you have these kids who don't get to go because they're misbehaving. They have to sit in the lobby, and your idiot friend goes off and and sneaks into the room sneaks into this like uh fun house trap door mm-hmm. and it's up to you and your lady friend to go uh to go save him or not or do whatever yeah so the first choice is a little bit crazy because um depending on what you decide to do either go after him or stay stick around it changes whether he was joking about being panicked or not mm. so that has a different outcome uh okay because like, i went after him i didn't do anything like he was, he was being panicked. Like this was dead serious. Yeah. Scared the shit out of me. <laughs> put, put everything in perspective. Yeah. I mean, at first I realized what it was like to be Spider-Man. Then I realized what it was like to be steamed alive. <laughs> yeah, um, what an afternoon that was. <laughs> steamed alive. That happens. That, that, yeah. that, so, so like there's a bunch of this machinery that's like kind of dotted around here uh, by kind of this mad scientist who runs it and his daughter who ostensibly died in a fire. Mm-hmm. Um, Sybil is her name creatively. Um, and like a lot of the ways that you can die is just kind of like being fed into this machinery for either prepping these wax museums or harvesting, harvesting pieces of kids. Yeah. To turn into a wax museum. Like it's not so a wax museum. If you're into a wax museum, it's either the things are people covered in wax. Uh-huh. They're alive in some other way. This kind of takes this weird third way where it's actually turning people into the thing. Like they're not covered in wax necessarily. Uh-huh. They are just this is what they are because you, you live through it, right? Yeah. Like you are, the kids are just trapped forever. And like, a, I have no mouth situation. Mm-hmm. It's not like there are corpses under the, the wax. Right. Yeah. Like so. you never die in these things. <laughs> right. Like, no, it, it's, it's worse than it all, Yeah. It makes it way worse. <laughs> yeah. So, so when we talk about being steamed, you, you're, you're trapped in this kind of like column. And if you don't figure out how to get out, a bunch of steam comes out and you turn into a, like a tiny version of you because everybody knows little kids are made of sweater material. Yeah. Well, it's not whether you don't figure out, it's really, really frustrating because it's not whether you figure out how to get out. It's whether you can serve your breath and relax or uh-huh. struggle to get out. Okay. Yeah. If you struggle, you breathe too much and thus shrink, mm-hmm. which isn't a thing that makes sense. No. Um, but like that, that's like pretty mild compared to like, you know, all the people who are getting dipped in boiling wax <laughs> yeah. uh, and this, which is literally like a medieval torture. Like uh-huh. that is, that is, that's real painful. Mm-hmm. I learned about uh, a whole bunch of medieval. There's a, uh, there, there's a, a mainline goosebumps book called uh, like the tower of terror or something like that, which mm-hmm. is like, it's, it's the London tower and they go into loving descriptions of like iron maidens and thumbscrews and stuff. So mm-hmm. like, they're not afraid to get like real with it. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. If I went, man, if I had just been like a couple years younger, I would have been way into Goosebumps. Oh, it's really good. I mean, like, yeah, it's, like... it's not great writing. It's, 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 it's stupid, but it's aimed at like an audience 
you know, like yeah. keeping that in mind, like, uh, don't worry, you know, if a little kid is reading something you think is stupid, like eventually they will find, you know, the Chronicles of Narnia and they'll be okay. Right. Or Adventure Time or something yeah. like that. Like yeah. they'll, they'll hit on some quality at some point. Yeah. Like just encourage <laughs> that, that. That's what like whenever back in the day, people were getting mad about like a little kid's reading Harry Potter, like, oh, it's just trash. Like, no. It's teaching them to read and how to appreciate the written word. Wait it out. If you don't like what they're reading now, they will probably read something better in the future. Also, those are kind of good books. Yes. Like those are, those are really, you know, really good pulp fantasy kids books. Stop being a fucking snob. I know this is coming from me. Why why is my kid not reading David Foster Wallace? (laughs) He's a fucking kid, you idiot. Like (laughs) he doesn't care about your existential angst. Uh Uh-huh. But like Goosebumps is like like incredibly foundational for me because like that, mm-hmm. along with Tales from the Crypt and Are You Afraid of the Dark or whatever, this this kid themed horror uh, entertainment that was like just safe enough to like, you know, well, my parents didn't care what the fuck I did, but just safe enough to be distributed, uh, you know, like towards kids, you know, kind of brought this, you know, comedy and horror sensibility that I, you know, kind of carry forward and treasure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so so you, you never encountered Axel at all. No, I never ran to Axel the skull face chauffeur. <laughs> yep. <laughs> <laughs> so you, I feel that that could have been an entirely different book, and R.L. Stein is just like burning through ideas at this point. <laughs> like he didn't need to waste him on the the whack, wicked wax museum. I also would have accepted like the skull face chauffeur as a separate book. <laughs> yep. So he's a guy who's serving Sybil. Uh, like on the path you on the path that you go through, you're you're kind of like going after the founder of the museum. Uh, yes, I didn't even meet Sybil. Yes, Sybil herself is crazy because she is she is wax herself, but underneath all of that, um, you know, she died in that fire years ago, and she's disfigured, and she is kind of like animated by a bunch of these bugs that are crawling underneath her wax facade, <laughs> and she's she, she she's looking she she's looking for kid skin to rebuild her face so oh she can make God. her de- debut back to the public. <laughs> <laughs> That's incredible. So part of it is like you can reveal, oh, this woman is just a bunch of bugs with kid skin all over it at her press yeah. conference for coming out. Yeah, they're, they're, they're... <laughs> That's great. Like, this woman you were about to accept as a person is four disgusting things instead. Yeah. Like... But, but but Axel is is uh, is is in her thrall, right? You know, she like he's doing all this. He he is a person who like he's got eyes but no face skin, so he is he is a skeleton face guy in a chauffeur's outfit. And uh, this whole path, he's like harrying you like the nemesis. There's a machine okay. called the deboner, um, which takes the bones out of kids. You can, <laughs> you, can you can uh uh there's a situation where the skull faced guy is like hanging over it. If you opt to save him, he gives you a tip for later and that you know kind of can help you out and ask like, oh, have you received this piece of information or this thing? If you don't, he gets out and kills you. But putting putting this guy who's a skeleton into a deep boner is like, there'll be nothing left. that's that's so good that's nuts yeah like the sex the part i read where it was just about dipping people in wax and stuff i thought was pretty crazy Uh uh-huh but this is that's way crazier (laughs) like that that like and is that the branch that if you decide that he's just kidding and you don't follow him i think oh i gotta i gotta do this one again this is gonna be like (laughs) the i'm gonna break my rule yeah um, uh, th- th- this also has a, a, another another terrifying ending. There's a situation where you, you either fall into a machine or Axel gets you, and uh, you wake up 
and you realize that you, you like your your senses, you, like what you're seeing and what you're hearing and everything, like all these pieces of you are hanging from string in this room. And you see, like, oh, here's, like, red hair from your friend. Like, they disassemble these kids and hang the different parts, uh, but they're still alive and, like, cognizant. So, like, oh. this eye is over here, but, you know, there's another eye. And, like, everything is just kind of, like, disassembled. Like, oh, this is this is just how you live forever until you are, put like, put together into some kind of, like, new creation. That's amazing. Yep. That's incredible. This is the best book that I've ever heard of. <laughs> this, is, this is now the best book I've ever read. <laughs> that is That is amazing. That is good. I'm going to get into goosebumps now. This is ridiculous. I'm 30. I'm almost 35 years old. <laughs> Ladies. Uh, like, That's number I four. Keep saying, I keep saying that like I'm like I'm single or something like yeah. I'm not moving in with my girlfriend in a week. Yeah. Um, but... Yes. So this kind of became the goosebumps hour. And I'm very sorry about that. No, it's okay. It's so That's good. pretty crazy. That's great. <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah. Well, what did we learn today? <laughs> um, Don't hate goosebumps just because of 90, 90s kids. Yeah, that's pretty incredible. Yeah. Um, that's more or less game books. Mm -hmm. I think um, hopefully we gave you a nice survey sampling yeah. of them. There are infinite more. Mm -hmm. um, the game book database that I'm going to link in the show notes um, is, just, is just extensive. Mm-hmm. To an extreme degree. And there are ones on there that I'm really interested in. I didn't know that they made uh, Call of Cthulhu ones, which I want to read because yeah. um, I love Call of Cthulhu stuff. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, there's so there's so much yeah. um, there. Even just reading so that uh, you chose wrong blog has citations, like mm. which like which books those came from. And like, I'm kind of curious to check some of those out just to see like what the context is. <laughs> Man, can you defeat the ice demon is a four part book. <laughs> <laughs> Can you do? And the other thing about this blog that's awesome is that uh, a lot of them have reviews, mm -hmm. and they're just like adults just being like doing these reviews of them, essentially like we did, but uh -huh. with no sense of irony. <laughs> so it, those are really fun to read as well. Yeah, like you can you can really get uh, get pretty far into this blog. Mm -hmm. Yeah, lose yourself. So like my takeaway, I'm like you know like what I've learned. This is this has been uh, like an important episode of the show for me. Mm -hmm. Like any, any of these specials, you know, kind of get us to break out of our comfort zone and kind of expand the basis of our experience. But I feel like I've, I, I've learned a lot and appreciated a lot of stuff that, I, that, uh, that I otherwise wouldn't have done. Um, mm. And so this is, uh, this has been great. And I hope that people who've listened to this can kind of follow suit and get some of that, you know, kind of like runoff effect and like pay attention to where this stuff kind of like is going, because apparently there's movement happening, you know, even still to this day, this isn't something that's in the past. It's informing what we're seeing in games now. And, uh, you know, like with stuff like iOS games and things like 80 days, legit, one of the best games I played last year. Mm -hmm. And it's this, it's a choose your, it's a choose your own adventure. Yeah, for for me, part of the reason uh, why I wanted to do this episode is because this is kind of my corollary to the the visual novel, like your visual yeah. novel thing. This was the thing that I did when I was young that I was super obsessed with, mm -hmm. you know. And they're not exactly the same, but like it is more it is more my specific thing. And an actual like most visual novel things would probably support a regular episode. Yeah, uh, watch out for fireballs. Um, mm -hmm. A lot of them would, depending on which ones they were. Yeah. But you know, these wouldn't. So it was fun to be able to kind of talk about them in whole. Yeah. And you know. I didn't bring those up just because I, I didn't want to burn any of that cast for later. But there there are a bunch of a bunch of them um, that kind of play with the choose your adventure format to build into the narrative, specifically anything that is that, that is done by the, the, the lead designer of uh, the nine hours, nine persons, nine doors. Um, mm -hmm. like Virtue's Last Reward plays into the branching narrative in a big, bad way to uh, mm -hmm. kind of like mess with 
mess with uh, uh, continuity. Uh, the, the designer's name is a uh, uh, Kotaro uh, Uchis, Uchikoshi. Koshi. There mm-hmm. we go. Um, and like even back to like Ever Seventeen and Remember Eleven. Like he's been kind of taking that choose your own adventure aesthetic and applying it to visual novels in a way that is not you know senpai restrict my causality. You know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like and, and and really evocative and adult kind of ways. So yeah. so yeah, yeah. It's, it is it is good stuff. And some point down the line, we'll do a visual novel. We'll definitely do a whole episode on interactive fiction. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you're sitting around at home, just you know, why aren't they talking about Zork? <laughs> we'll talk about your Zork. Yeah. Um, at some point, um, Cole, what are we doing next time? Next time, Gary, we are doing Call of Duty for Modern Warfare. Yes. Yeah. So hoorah! Hoorah! I am I am playing it now. Um, Gary mm-hmm. has already played it. I'm having a good time with it. However, this is going to be a very interesting episode, I think. Yeah, it's not. I, I've been making fun of it online mm-hmm. and plan to make fun of it during the show. As do I. It's not like I didn't have fun with it, mm-hmm. but there are a lot of things I think are dumb <laughs> um, about it. So it, I did have fun, though. It's like a six. It is a, a very succinct. Like if this was an hour longer, it'd be too long. Yep. <laughs> like it, it is. It is a per- this is all the shooter I ever want in my life. Mm-hmm. Really? Their military World War II or not World War II, <laughs> uh, you know, uh, modern shooter. Modern really. shooter. Yeah, yeah. Um, I need my life, but it is a good bite-sized experience mm-hmm. for that. Um, after that, we're doing Commander Keen, uh, Goodbye Galaxy. Yeah, the uh, the duology. Mm-hmm. Uh, Commander Keen four and five. Yeah, they're very brief. Um, uh, the, that is the secret of the Oracle and the Armageddon machine. Uh, you can either get those on Steam or uh, they run in DOSBox and they're up on um, on the uh, the archive.org as oh, sure. well. Yeah. So however you want to play it, they are uh, they're great. Like this is us dipping back into uh, kind of a, a, a blind spot, I think, for a lot of Americans, which is kind of these PC platformers. Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't. I mean, a lot of Americans played them. It was bigger in Europe. Yeah. But it is like a certain kind of kid, mm-hmm. like console kids and PC kids. Like we talk a lot about <laughs> Nintendo and Sega kids. Yeah. But there are these third kids. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I got there. The ones who just like only watch PBS. Yeah, whose parents parents had uh, you know international business machines. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. And what are we doing after that, Cole? After that, we are doing Chocobo's Dungeon. This is the Wii um, Final Fantasy Fables game uh, mm-hmm. that is uh, going to be the first roguelike we've done. Yeah, it is. It is a very user friendly entry to the roguelike genre, um, which is why we're picking it, and also a game I like a lot. So I've, I've been actually, this has been on my wish list on our spreadsheet of like things to do for a very long time. Yeah. I'm happy we're able to fit it in. And it kind of works out because it's a long game a little bit and doing it uh, uh, with Commander Keen makes yeah. sense. And in a rare, uh, unprecedented thing, we're kind of announcing our next game. Yeah. Usually try to stay three ahead, but it will make <laughs> sense because we're coming up on our springtime poll. Yes. So, uh, you know, I come up on your springtime pool. <laughs> I don't like that one bit, Gary. <laughs> so, so, yes, uh, the genre for spring, uh, we, we generally try and do two survival horror games a year, one around Halloween and then one kind of uh, dealer's choice. We are going to offer you four survival horror games to choose or from. Horror games might be a better way to put yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, horror games. Yeah, so, like, yeah, and this is, I mean, it might seem crazy because we do a lot of these, but we just like them. Yep. You know, so, like, it's, eh. and and so, so it's going to have to be fine. Yep. Um, and I think you'll like the choices. What are those choices? Cole Ross. Those choices are silent Hill three amnesia, the dark descent fatal frame Two, the crimson butterfly or resident evil four. Yes. Yeah. So, um, all games that I would be delighted to play if similar to our adventure game pool, if your choice doesn't get picked, we'll probably end up doing it down the road. Yeah. These are, uh, these are all pulled from our short list. Yeah. You know, but, so. uh, 
Yeah, but if if you want to vote on that, um, what which one do we do? You have to become a Patreon backer at uh, patreon.com forward slash duckfeedtv. Um, that is the one requirement. Donate any amount per month and you get a say in this. And uh, we encourage you to go on our Facebook page and lobby for your uh, for your choice. Yeah. And so it's not to us. It's up to you guys, but up to, to each other mm-hmm. in a kind of, uh, what is that, Lord of the Flies type situation? <laughs> Yes, <laughs> a Lord of the Flies situation where we always have the conch shell. Yeah, yeah, we're, yeah, we we are the beast on the island, and one of us is a conch and one of us is a beast. Yeah. Both of us have glasses. Yep, we're all little piggies in here. Uh, that's a yeah. different amnesia game. The um, so yeah, uh, that is Silent Hill three, Amnesia, the first one, um, yep. Fatal Frame two, and Resident Evil four. Yep. So choose which one you'd like to hear us cover. And and also for those of you who are like, you guys just did a Resident Evil game. Like these couldn't be more different. <laughs> yeah. um, so this is this is the back half of Resident Evil's mm-hmm. kind of style. Um, yeah. Other than uh, Patreon and Facebook, you can write and review the show. Write a review and rate the show on iTunes. That's very helpful. And uh, if you have anything to say about any of those games, you can uh, join the conversation at duckfeed.tv forward slash contact. Yep. Um, if you're going to be buying a PS4 or Bloodborne, um, this is a little bit of cross show, uh, crossover. Uh, use the tip jar link at uh, duckbeat.tv slash tip jar. Uh, it is the same Amazon you always use, and we get a little kickback from that. And that, to go, that goes a long way towards helping us. Um, yep. does, yeah, it doesn't cost you yep. a cent extra. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and we've been recording for a very long time. Yep. So, and we still have to record. Mm-hmm. So, uh, until then, what should they watch out for? Uh, well, they should watch out for page 67. Some bad stuff happens there. Check them out at your library.